This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at lifemd.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hello, welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We are very excited. We have Stephen Watson from Bally Sports with us. We're going to ask him a handful of uh handful of personal and some brewers questions and then we're going to use it to translation into our milwaukee bucks primer milwaukee bucks basketball starts tomorrow so we are very excited for that got a lot of fun stuff to talk about with the bucks today uh jake and i have some bold predictions some record predictions some eastern conference threat levels so a lot of stuff going on so yeah. uh steven welcome to the show glad we could uh work out a day to get you on yeah thanks so much for having me thinking of me honestly i'm flattered uh I've been a big fan of you guys from afar. I enjoy your work, so happy to be on here. Thank you. <laughs> Working on our Bally Sports collection, we've got uh, we've got Tim Dillard and Vinny Rotino. We got to get uh, now. We got you on. We got to get uh, Steve Novak and and some of the Bucks. Bally we got Craig on, on. Yeah, there you Craig's go. Been on here. Oh, well, you've gotten all the important people out of the way, so. <laughs> well, now that well, you're here, yes, yes. Uh, that's good. <laughs> So, All righty, Jake. Jake has our first question of the day. Go ahead. This one had to be in here, dude. This is the honestly, I want you to take this as a compliment. This is the first thing that everybody should notice about Stephen Watson is your fashion sense, dude. And we <laughs> have to know you're always looking dapper, right? Yeah. Is it you? Do you dress yourself or do you have somebody in your ear? No, I, I do it all myself. Uh, I have a lot of fun with it. Because honestly, we should have fun. Like I tell people when they ask what I do for a living, I play in the playpen. So, you know, <laughs> you, you have fun. There, I like I like dressing up. I uh, I get it from my grandfather, I think, who is a really loud dresser. Uh, mm -hmm. I try not to be too Craig Sager y uh, with some <laughs> of my my sport coat choices, but you know, fashion is what you make it. So I like to have fun with it. And uh, my wife thinks some of the looks are a little crazy, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I try to have fun with it. Why not? Right? Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. So we, when we have guests on, we like to ask, um, cause we think it's important and the way that we've taken our approach with doing our show is doing it from a more optimistic and, and positive perspective. So we like to ask the question, um, with, with athletes and just with people in general, how do you take care of your mental health? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. It's an important question right now. Something that's come to the surface for a lot of us in our day-to-day -day life, but we're starting to see some of the athletes that we grew up rooting for, currently rooting for, um, really make this a priority. Um, Giannis, somebody here in the city of Milwaukee, has spoken openly about it within the last year. And I think the more people that are starting to have this conversation, more people realize that it's okay to talk about. And it used to be viewed as something uh, that was a sign of weakness, but if anything, it's a sign of strength. Um, we're all vulnerable. Uh, we all are critical of ourselves. We care what other people think of us, even though some people say they don't, we all care. Uh, you're not human unless you care. So for me, I, I think my ability, and it's something I'm still working on and frankly not good enough at, is, is escaping. I get so bogged into my day-to-day. -day. I love what I do for a living. Um, I've always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Uh, I never thought it would take me back to Wisconsin. I'm a proud Badger, so I, I never thought that I would find my way back here again to do this for a career. But this is going to be my 10th season covering the Bucks, And Sweet. it's a pretty crazy sentence to say out loud to a kid who grew up in Philadelphia and hasn't lived in Philadelphia since I graduated high school. Uh, but I've spent most of my adult life here in Wisconsin. And I'm really proud of it. I love living here. Um, but sometimes I get trapped by my love for what I do for a living and it kind of compounds. And it, it's important for me, for my mental health to find ways to step away um, and spend time with my wife, my now 17 month old daughter. Right. And I have a four legged son, Wilson, a golden retriever <laughs> that, that keeps me on my toes as well. And if any anybody follows my day to day on on Twitter and social media, I, I'm obsessed with golf. So golf is my other escape uh, as a way to to take care of myself a little bit and, and enjoy the time out on the course or with my family. Yeah. Uh, so, a little sneak peek. We actually know somebody that you know, and we know yeah. that you love golf. All right. <laughs> Cody Retlick, does that ring a bell? Yeah. 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 yeah we 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 all me. Myself, Tyler, and Cody, we all graduated the same year from Keele High School. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we were actually, you know, at my dad's golf outing for our weekend in, in our hometown, Keele, Wisconsin. Shout out, Raiders. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, we were, we ran into Cody, and we were talking about you, trying to get you on the show. And uh, he just started talking. He was like, you got to talk about golf. I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about golf. I golf once a year, and I'm horrible at it. Uh, well, this is the best state to golf in in the country, so you got to find a way. It's never too late oh. to start playing golf. That is one thing. My dad didn't start playing until he was 30. My mom didn't start playing until she was 50. Now, they're both addicted to the game. That's one of the reasons I fell in love with the game is because I play with them all the time. But it's never too late to pick up a club, and uh, it's, it's the best sport. Um, it's something that tests you mentally. Yep. Um, it can test you physically if you are a marathon golfer like myself and, and do it as part of a workout as well. Uh, but it, it's the greatest game out there um, because it humbles you very quickly. Oh, I was going to say the thing about golf is uh, the thing that I enjoy is it makes you think, right? Like it's, yeah. you know, we're going to, we're going to get back to the program here, but like golf, man, like it makes you think like, that's the thing that I appreciate about it is like, okay, I'm this many yards out. I got to use this club. Got to watch out for this. Like there's all these obstacles in your way. It's just, it's yeah. an incredible game. It really is. And I would like to get into it, but I have two kids myself. Uh, this yeah. is a girl dad crew now. That's what I'm calling us. So <laughs> yeah, it, you got two girls. I have, no, two I, girls. I have, uh, I have uh, one girl and then I have uh, he he's my stepson. I say he's my son, but I have, yeah. a, I have a son. He, he, 
keeps me in sports like crazy. Like I coach him in football, basketball. He wants to play soccer now. I'm like, I don't know anything about soccer, but I guess I'm going to learn. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those are memories you'll always remember. I'm excited oh, yeah. for, for my little one to get to that age where I can start coaching her. Maybe you start putting like a golf ball in her crib and stuff. Oh, like yeah. Right? Dude, we've, we've, been it. It. <laughs> we've been pushing it. We've been pushing it. I got a little tight golf set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to be careful now, though, because, you know, I'll yell at the TV, you know, when Giannis dunks and I'll scream with Giannis and my daughter gets up now. She's two and a half and she'll be like, ah, and she screams yeah. at me. So it's just me, my daughter and Giannis. We're all screaming and it feels like we're <laughs> one big happy family. There you go. That's the right way to raise them. I'm proud of you. Oh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So we're going to get to a Brewers question now. So yeah. what Brewers minor league player are you most excited to see in Milwaukee next year? If your answer isn't Jackson Cheerio, you're just you're lying to yourselves. Yeah. Um, and, and I have no inside information, anything about him being a brewer as soon as this upcoming season. But I know there were talks at some point last year, potentially where they were at in the season, bringing Jackson up at the end of this past year. So I, I think that if things are going on the trajectory that they're on and the fact that he spent the final couple of weeks in AAA Nashville, I think we will see Jackson in a Brewers uniform at some point this upcoming season. And yep. I mean, we're talking about somebody who has the hype of a Bryce Harper right now. We're talking about a teenager who has worked his way up the ranks and probably the most exciting prospect the Brewers have ever had. And where he fits into the picture of the outfield, a lot could happen this offseason. <laughs> uh, there could be a lot of changes. Yeah. We'll wait and see. But I think – just the excitement to have that type of prospect in the organization and the thought of him being in Milwaukee, even if it's a short stint at any point in the season next year has to be what I'm most anticipating for next season. I'm a, I'm a big Tyler black guy. Yeah. So I have, I have him on my list as well. I'm hoping he makes the opening day roster. He could be their starting third baseman. I mean, we don't know where they're going to go with, with Josh Donaldson. I, I don't think they'll end up bringing him back. Um, again, this is all personal opinion. But uh, Monasterio earned the right to play in the infield. Um, yep. We don't know what the infield is going to look like at the beginning of next season. There's yeah. so many questions with arbitration and uh, what their potentially trade market might be. What's going to happen with Craig Council? Uh, I think that certainly is going to play a factor into the decision making as well for this organization. So I, I think Tyler Black's a, another guy who I know they're very high on and another guy who was very close to finding his way up this past season guy can play first and third which are going to be two positions of need for next yeah. season the for me when matt arnold brought up tyler black in his end of the season press conference and he brought up tyler black's name without being asked about it i was like oh yeah. nobody asked him about tyler black and he brought him up by name unprompted and i think that's an important thing for brewers fans to realize like how good the farm system has been consistently for them for quite some time mm -hmm. um, I, I know a lot of people get emotional over the bites of the apple phrase that David Stearns once used to talk about mm -hmm. this organization and some of the trades that they made the Josh Hader one of course is the most notable but they're quietly building one of the most consistent farm systems in all of baseball and we're starting to see the results of that I think this past season was a great example of the freshmen coming in yeah. and proving that they're ready for the moment I think we've got another wave of three to five guys who could be big league ready um, by opening day. So it, it's an exciting time for the Brewers. That's insane. <laughs> so we're just curious on the on the whole of the season, what was your favorite game to cover? 
Oh, man. Um, I, I think you get to some of those September games. I, I was fortunate to be hosting for the Mark Canna Grand Slam game oh, nice. at American Family Field. That was probably the moment where I think for a lot of the people inside the stadium and a lot of us who are around the team regularly, that was the moment where we're like, yeah, this team has it. And this team could could really do some damage. I know it didn't go to plan. Um, sometimes it doesn't in the postseason, but that was where I felt like the Brewers had their peak swagger and belief that they had something special with this group and injuries ended up playing a big factor in why they couldn't get past Arizona. Losing Brandon Woodruff um, cannot be overstated of, of significance for that club on the field and off the field for the Brewers. Uh, but I, I would say the Mark Canna Grand Slam was one of those chills you got inside the ballpark when you saw that ball go um, for a guy that took a little while to settle in as a brewer, but ended up being one of the most dominant and important players down the stretch for the team. And I, I hope he's back in a brewer's uniform next year. I yep. think he proved that he, he has what it takes at his age. 100%. Uh, yeah. We, we, we were both uh, big fans of that. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we know what happened, right? They, they lost two games at home. And they were a 92-win team in the regular season. So what do you say to fans? To, what what do you think fans can do to avoid attaching a label of catastrophic failure of the two-game playoff loss after a 92-win season? Well, I would start by not categorizing it as a catastrophic failure. Um, I And I, I just think it's important to realize they play 162 games. The Brewers won the NL Central by nine games. That was their largest margin of victory over a division in team history. And that, and you talk about what they did getting into August and September, they never held a lead over three games in the division. So what they did in August and September was incredible and, and took us on a really fun ride. And I think we get so stuck on like, if you're not first, you're last mentality in sports. Mm. Um, that for, especially in baseball, I, I know a lot of fans don't like to hear the argument of small market versus big market, but when you have a manager like Craig Council, who had to deal with almost 60 players on his roster and manage them, and Matt Arnold with a very limited payroll and Mark Atanasio, who, you know, that that's just how TV contracts work in a market like Milwaukee. Baseball sets small markets up to fail. And uh, it's, a, it's a broken system right now and i would love to see them eventually get to a salary cap but we are so far away from that unfortunately mm -hmm. in baseball the fact that the brewers are behind only the braves and the dodgers in wins in the national league over the last, since 2017 says all you need to know about enjoy this era of brewers baseball and recognize that the teams that have obviously beaten the Brewers, it's been well-documented, have gone on to the World Series. But teams like the Philadelphia Phillies last year who got to the World Series as a sixth seed in the National League. The Arizona Diamondbacks, a sixth seed in the National League, are now in the World Series again. Sometimes, it, like if, if you love the game of baseball, you know sometimes things just happen, and it's hard to describe in the sport. Brandon Woodruff's freak shoulder injury happening in the final week of the season, it was very unfortunate. And those are the types of things that – you get frustrated about, but when you, when you can allow yourself to take like the wide angle view of the season and realize that the Milwaukee Brewers as the smallest market in baseball have consistently put themselves in the playoff picture every single year, like 
you got to enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. Look at what the Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Padres, Padres, all of them did this year with three times the payroll. Yeah. It, 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 you just got to get in. And when you get in, you got to get hot. And uh, the fact that they have been able to take us on so many great rides over the last six years, man, I, I, I just, I, you got to enjoy it. You got to enjoy it. On the subject of, you know, you can't predict what, what baseball can do. Uh, we have taken to, have you seen the, the alien guy from the history channel where he's like aliens. We started doing, we started going like baseball. That's what we started doing. <laughs> baseball. If, if something outlierish and random can happen, it's going to happen in baseball. Yeah. I mean, the perfect example is the fact that the Brewers have lost to the team that has gone to the world series. Like, like that's a crazy only in baseball can something like that happen. Exactly. It has nothing to do with the baseball. Brewers. And it's just, it just, it's one of those, you just throw your hands in the air and it just doesn't. Yeah. Make so they'll, they'll, so have their, they'll have their shot as long as, I mean, that's why I talk about the farm system. They're staying competitive. Um, you have to give this organization credit. They have never tanked and there are plenty of organizations who tank and <laughs> pirates. Yeah. And until you like they're, they're filling the stadium, they're giving you hope every year. Like that's what being a sports fan is all about is living that marathon and living that wave and riding it. And and that's what the players like doing as well. And when fans are there supporting the players, the number of players who tell me that they have played for the Yankees or the Mets or the Padres and would rather be in Milwaukee, like the fans are the difference. And the fans having that passion and energy like that, that really matters more probably in baseball than almost any other sport. So if you're a Brewers fan and you're upset about that, just, just know that they care just as much as you do and that they're a special breed in Milwaukee. So keep cheering them on because it's worth it. And they're, they're giving you a good ride right now. And that's like another thing too. People keep backing like the window is closing and it's like, you realize how many rookies played last year? I think there was eight rookies on the 26 man playoff roster. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 wasn't even and, and the controllables that they have. I mean, they, yeah. they have obviously Yelich locked up long term. Yep. He's proven that he can get back to a pretty solid form. William Contreras could be an MVP in the National League one day, the way that he has been, you know, the, the rise that he is on. Um, I mean, they figure out first and third base. You have Bryce Terang as a staple in the infield. They bring back Adamas. All of a sudden, you're like, wow, wait. You got Garrett Mitchell back. You got another year of development for Sal and, and Weimer. You got Freddie Peralta. Well, you know, like they're still they're still contending. <laughs> and then, they're still and, then, be 90 then you get, and then you get to the Jackson Trio, Tyler Black, Robert Gosser, yeah. Jacob Mizarowski. Like there's tons of reinforcement coming for anybody you think they're gonna lose. Yeah. And and I mean, I think we've learned to put trust in Matt Arnold at this point yeah. too. Um, oh, yeah. he, he's proven us time and time again that he's been making the right moves. And uh, I, I think they'll end up signing their key veterans that will play a difference probably in the rotation with Woody being out for the year and, you know, a couple of key bats in the order. And all of a sudden they're going to be a gritty Brewers team like we've seen over the last six plus years. Yep. And we talked about this actually a couple of weeks ago when, uh, when the Bucks traded for Damian Lillard is a, Wisconsin sports teams in general, we have good <laughs> GMs that I mean we really got to appreciate. Yeah, uh, across the pro teams, and then throwing in Chris McIntosh as the athletic director for the Badgers too. I mean, we we have some pretty good showrunners oh. in Wisconsin. John yeah, Moore is already transition. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, add Marquette in getting Shaka too. True, like it, it's, it's crazy. This is the glory years of Wisconsin sports. True. Uh, it, across the board, honestly, it, it's yeah. really remarkable. I mean, the Packers are having a down year, but what they've been the staple of consistency for you know 15 years at the quarterback position. Well, 30 if you would include Favre as well. So, I mean, we're we're it's a pretty incredible era of Wisconsin sports right now. So. So and it's fun because cool. Chicago is on the opposite. Yeah, trajectory. Exactly. <laughs> better, right? <laughs> I'm so happy you brought that up. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist. Uh, so, as far as transitioning from the Bucks to the Brewers, between Bucks and Brewers, who is your favorite player that you have talked to? Uh, I mean, again, it's it's as easy as the Jackson Churio answer yeah. was uh, before. Giannis is a unicorn, yep. and. <laughs> Um, I, the, the thing I've been fortunate enough, this being my 10th year covering them is that I've pretty much been covering Giannis since the beginning. And you heard it yesterday when he spoke to the media about signing his extension, about what loyalty means to him. And, and he truly is that type of loyal individual to the media that covers him. In addition to the fans that root for him and the organization that believed in him and that type of relationship is so rare in professional sports. There are a lot of really good guys that we cover, um, but nobody is Giannis. And to try and compare somebody to Giannis would, would you just be, yeah, you're, you're lying to yourself. Uh, he really is that, that good of a person. Um, he's somebody that I'm going to tell my grandkids someday that I got an opportunity yeah. to talk to and have a relationship with and watch him grow up. And I, I think what he has meant to this city yeah, it's hard to put into words. He did it best. Um, I, I encourage you all to go back and listen to his full media availability that he had yesterday with the Bucks about why he signed his extension now and why he loves the city of Milwaukee. But loyalty is what it comes down to. And and he is that way with the people that have covered him from the beginning. Um, we have a great relationship and we talk about life off camera as well that only enhances the time that we get together on camera and uh, I appreciate that relationship more than he probably even knows as well. That's man. awesome. Man, uh, Giannis, all-time player, but all-time human. So Yeah, I, I mean, I have, a, I, have a saying, I have a saying on the air. Um, I call him the Bucks MVP, you know, most valuable player. But I, I say Bucks MVP, most valuable perspective. Because when he talks, you listen. And his perspective is just unbelievable. Um, and it humbles you and it keeps you in check and it'll, and shows you what hard work is. And he has earned everything that he has gotten in his life. And he has built a life for him and his family and his kids and generations of Antetokounmpo's. And we all, as sports fans here in the state, have created memories with our friends, family, kids because of Giannis. And um, it's it's really incredible when you sit back and realize what he has meant to this city and the perspective that he continues to offer us daily. Uh, man, we got lucky in Milwaukee. It's, it's incredible. Man. I hope people never take that for granted. Man, we, you know, you were talking about the golden years. I'm going to kind of like a comedian does, but they wrap everything together. Right now I was talking about girl dad. Right. So <laughs> we got to see Rogers back-to-back -back MVP years on top of the bucks winning a championship. And, you know, that, that playoff run was one of the most incredible things that I've ever seen in my life. 
Yeah. The the game seven versus the Nets was the day my daughter was born. I had oh. to watch game seven of the Nets on the tiniest TV you'll ever see in your entire life. And I also had to be quiet because my girlfriend just gave birth to my daughter. So I'm trying to scream into this pillow and I'm screaming so loud into this pillow that eight nurses come into the room <laughs> and start watching this game with me. And it's the fourth quarter and my girlfriend wakes up. She's all like out of it and stuff. And she's like, what's going on? I'm like, Go back to bed. We're watching the game. Relax. It's okay. <laughs> like I'm checking. And that's that's here. a story you're you're gonna tell. You know when your hair is gray and you're an old man. man. That, that's that's what that's the beauty of sports, man. It's like yeah, that's you'll that's always remember where sports. you were in that moment. Yeah, I'll, I will never ever forget Game Seven of the Nets versus yeah. the Nets, dude. That was one of the most the greatest day of my life, honestly. Yeah. You know, we beat the 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 Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irvings and. James Harden's of the worlds and the Bucks kind of just went to new heights. That was that was the Giannis statement right there. Yeah, but uh, I, I about that much. This, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so Giannis obviously sticks out with players, but is there a coach slash front office member that sticks out to you as your favorite to interview? To interview, um, we don't do a lot of one on ones. I I I was close with Bud. Um, you know, he, he's a golf lover. So we talked a lot of golf together. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say front office wise. I mean, they're all, they're all great people. Uh, but they're, they're, they're dogs. Like they, they're working, man. Uh, it, it's shown in the results, but we don't get a ton of access to the front office members throughout the season. Um, but I've only had pleasant interactions really with all of them. Even coach Griffin, I had an opportunity, uh, to sit down with him before this season and, uh, he's very likable guy. I think, I think Milwaukee is going to really like his personality and what he's going to kind of the blue collar mentality he'll bring to the city. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, so what are you most excited about this upcoming Bucks season besides seeing Giannis and Damian Lillard together? Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just excited for the spectacle. I, I'm excited. Uh, not only to see those two play together, I mean, we are talking about generational talents, two NBA 75ers on the same roster um, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> think about it. Um, it's pretty incredible. Of course, it's going to be always compared to Kareem and Oscar and, you know, what that era of Bucks basketball was like. Um, but Giannis will go down as the best Buck of all time. And Dame has a totally different skill set than Oscar. So uh, what Oscar and Kareem didn't have is Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, and Pat Connaughton. And, and it's just, this roster is incredible right now on paper. Uh, they haven't, they haven't played a game yet. So we have no idea what it's going to look like, what potential injuries may happen, but on paper, this is the best Bucks team I've ever seen. And I think that uh, they feel that. Uh, they prefer to be the small market team that is, you know, kind of hides in the weeds for most of the year. doesn't get talked about often, but people are going to be talking about the Milwaukee Bucks this year. And, and the spotlight is going to be on. And I'm, I'm excited to see what the show is going to look like. I'm excited to see what Chris Middleton is going to look like as a true number three, um, as a, as a two-time all-star. And I'm excited to see what the new defense is going to look like under coach Griffin. I, I, I think that, uh, we're going to get highlights. We're going to get Giannis. We're going to get Dame. That's what's going to be played nationally. But for all of us who are in the weeds day to day, I think Chris Middleton is going to have a 
spectacular year for the Bucks because so. he's healthy and because I think the Bucks know who's taking the last shot. And for a long time, we didn't really always know that. We thought it'd be Chris, but the Bucks season last year ended without them taking a shot. And I think this year they know it's Dame. So it's going to make everybody else around them better and more open. And somebody like Chris is going to benefit the most from it, I think. That's a good point. If you need somebody to talk about the ins and outs of all the games, we know some guys that talk about it every Wednesday. Yeah, love it. <laughs> well, I have, I have a lot of good stuff on Dame where he's going he's gonna to fix the pick and roll because Giannis wasn't as efficient as he should have been, you know, knowing who Giannis is as a player. Um, Dame and Giannis pick and roll is going to be disgusting. Like you said, the, the last shot is going to be Dame. The half-court offense is now fixed with Damian Lillard. And don't get me wrong, like, we love Drew. We gave Drew his flowers. Yeah. But, man, Damian Lillard, dude, like, this is Damian Lillard we're talking about here, man. Like, like, you put I, him I on a pedestal. I would probably say this is Dame. Okay? I get it. I, I wasn't happy about it. I, I'm a, as big of a Drew Holiday fan as anybody, um, as a mm-hmm. person, as a player. Um, but when you step back, it's Dame. I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest um, and, a, and a type of talent that Milwaukee has not seen at the guard position in a long time, probably since Ray Allen, honestly, and he's more of a small forward, but uh, Dame, Dame special. Uh, Giannis calls him a killer and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see how, how those two play off each other. Yeah. So I can't wait to be there in person tomorrow. (laughs) So, I mean, we know we're going to get out of Dame and Giannis and Chris's right. But who do you think is the most underrated player on the Bucks? Um, my answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Bobby's going to be really key for the Bucks as their backup center. Um, I, he really has a chip on his shoulder that he didn't win sixth man of the year last year. And he, uh-huh. and he definitely has something to prove as far as the new guys, um, on the roster. I, I think Malik Beasley, this is going to be a really good fit for him at this point in his career. He's gone through some things the last couple of years trying to find his identity. He kind of got branded as a bad teammate um, in L.A. and Utah. And um, I, I had a chance to talk to him before the season. And he told me that one of his first days in the gym, they do this hundred drill where they shoot 100 threes. He made 91 of them. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> and, and the next did, day. Did I hear that Steve Novak said that Damian Lillard did it like fresh off the plane and he made 94? Uh, yeah, that, that was that was the the next part of the story was he. <laughs> oh, feeling the thunder. My bad. No, 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 no. no it's great because <laughs> he because Malik brought that up to me. He's like, I had the team record, you know, my first practice, and then this guy comes into the gym and makes ninety four fresh off the plane. It's so, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be fun, man. They're 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 gonna shoot, and I mean Beasley. Even it's a very small sample size, granted, but preseason he shot forty two percent from three. Yep. We're talking about. You know, him, Connaughton, Middleton, all getting really fresh looks from three is going to be the difference for this team. Man, man, I can't wait to see Middleton as catch and shoot. Spoiler alert, he's in my bold predictions later when, when Jake <laughs> and I get there. But um, so I think you kind of answered this a little bit, kind of tiptoed around it. But who do you, who besides Damian Lillard do you think is the Bucks' best addition? Yeah, I think it's Malik. Um, I do, I think that 
he might even be starting as soon as tomorrow night. Again, this is just my opinion. I have no inside. I, I know he started a couple of the preseason games, so that wouldn't be any kind of crazy breaking news. But <laughs> I like Pat coming off the bench with Bobby. I, I think that's a great second unit for the Bucks. Yep. So I, I think Malik has an opportunity to really create a nice niche for himself, almost like a better Bryn Forbes from that championship team. Oh. A guy who can a little bit bigger too. Yeah, a little bit bigger. And and a guy who is wants to defend the top guy. Um, and that was not never part of his identity in the NBA. He was, I'm gonna score, I'm gonna shoot a bunch of threes. But Adrian Griffin has gotten on him. He, he wants he wants Malik to take on the top guard on the opposing teams. Um, because that is unquestionably what they lost in trading Drew is who's gonna be their perimeter defenders. So that's why I think Malik Beasley is going to be really key for the Bucs and probably the biggest off-season addition. And don't sleep on campaign either. He, he's got a fun energy about him uh, as a backup point guard, mm-hmm. and he is really excited to be a Milwaukee Buck. That much I can tell you. He raved about the experience being in Milwaukee during the finals when he was a part of the Suns team. Sweet. Oh, wow. He's really fired up about playing in front of Bucks fans. He couldn't believe the energy inside of Fiserv and of course out in the Deer District. I mean, they they took notice of what Milwaukee has to offer for basketball fandom. And I think he's really fired up to to play for the Bucks and have a chance to win again. Oh I love man. that. That is awesome. Yeah. I have to wait until tomorrow to watch the game. This is horrible <laughs> right now. I feel like I'm this is self-torture. Oh my goodness. Um <laughs> so this one's kind of a two-parter, but I'll ask you the first part. What are your impressions of the new coaching staff? Yeah, well, obviously they just went through a major change with Terry Stotts uh, stepping away. Uh, I never got a chance to talk to Terry, but I know that he was well regarded from talking to Pat and, of course, Dame about his impact on them offensively in their young careers. Uh, Adrian Griffin has been absolutely pleasant. Um, I think he really does have an identity and he has a focus. And um, it's no secret that, you know, Dame or I'm not Dame, excuse me, Giannis had a hand in, in choosing the next head coach and being a part of the process. Same with Chris. Um, so I think there's a reason Adrian Griffin is here because he's making the stars of this roster believe that he has something. He, he's, as you've heard John Horse say, he is an absolute basketball nut. Um, he's been around the game for his entire life. He's got kids who are around the game. And I, I think that, He's, he, as I said earlier, like his blue collar mentality is going to really fit in with Milwaukee and the team mentality of how he wants to build things. He has the right superstars around him. Dame is at the point in his career where he wants to win and he wants to do anything to win. And that's why I feel like him and Giannis are going to work so well together because they're chasing the same goal at this point in their careers. It's not about individual accolades. Like their identity is on rings. And I think that they're all in it for the right reasons. When you look at a team that they're playing tomorrow night, who's going to be without one of their top stars and James Harden, because it's become about him, you know, and like, that's, that's what makes the Bucks so likable. And um, gosh, what a dream gig for Adrian Griffin uh, in year one yeah. to get a roster and then have John Horst be like, Oh, by the way, we're going to add Dame Lillard to it. As well. so <laughs> right. He's excited about the opportunity. So before we get you out of here, uh, thank you again, man. This has been a wonderful experience. Whenever we do score predictions or record predictions, we do one from the head and one from the heart. The head, you know, you 
you, you're really thinking about it. You're going to be real. And the heart is like, if everything works out perfectly, this is, this is how it's going to go. So if you could give me your score prediction from, or your record prediction from the head and the heart. Yeah. Um, first off, I'm fascinated by the in-season tournament. Like, I don't know how that yeah. dynamic is going to play into what the overall records are going to be and what the outlook of the NBA season. I, I know it's designed to get, you know, guys to play more and to get away from load management, which I think would be really good for the game. Mm -hmm. um, load management always costs the Bucks a couple of wins, right? Because, you know, they're going to sit Dame. They're going to sit Giannis. Uh, Chris. Chris, right? Um, I, I get how it works. You know, you, you, you make memories in the postseason. You make your money in the postseason. Um, so I'm fascinated to see if, if guys' mentality changes at all with this early in-season tournament in December. That being said, I think my head and my heart are both in the 60-win area for the Milwaukee. I, I, I really think that this team is, hmm. is loaded. Um, I, I could see uh, right around right around 60 wins for this, this team. Love it. Well, definitely. We'll definitely revisit it. Um, kept you a couple extra minutes, but we really appreciate it. Like, seriously, it's, it's awesome for us to be – having grown up watching Wisconsin sports and it used to be Fox sports, Wisconsin, and now it's Valley sports. And we're, we're, you know, we're watching people on TV that we've, you know, we've watched on TV for a long time. And now we started this show and now we've actually gotten to talk to them, kind of, you know, quote unquote, face to face. Uh, it's, it's really enjoyable for us. And we really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. And again, I think, I thank you guys for thinking of me. I mean, as I said at the beginning, I play in the playpen, man. So I, I'm always happy to talk about it and, like the passionate fans are why we also love what we do because we know we're looking into a camera lens, but we know we're looking into people who care and that makes our job way more enjoyable. It's fun to talk about wins. Um, and we've gotten to do that a lot lately between the brewers and the bucks, but it also really matters to us to talk to people who care. And um, it, it, it keeps our fire lit. It keeps our passion going because you know, you don't get to see eyes. You don't get to talk to people every single day. But to know that there's people on the other side who genuinely have that passion that we also have is is why we love doing it. So guys like you two um, are, you know, this this gets me fired up for our first broadcast on Sunday. Tomorrow's on TNT, but our first game is on, on Sunday. And if you don't mind, a little plug. We've got an hour-long pregame show with a lot of really fun content from uh, sit-downs with Dame and Giannis that I've done. And I know Melanie has some stuff with Giannis as well. And Craig, Steve will be on set. So it's going to be a fun year of Bucks basketball. I, I, I can't believe uh, we got Giannis and Dame on the same team. So I, know, <laughs> I have to tell myself every Sunday after the Packers, you know, look really young and, you know, they have a bad loss. I'm like, we have Giannis and Dame. We have Giannis and Dame. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Enjoy it. I mean, you know, you never know how long these things can last. So um, don't take them for granted. So. All righty. Well, I think we'll be, we'll be in touch. We'd love to have you back during the season. If there's some time that works out between, uh, between getting fitted for some new suits and some travel, <laughs> yeah. that, uh, we'll try to have you back on when it works out, but we really appreciate it again. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. And uh, looking forward to seeing what this Bucks team can do. We'll have a lot of fun. Yes, All right. Have a good night. Yeah, you too, guys. Have a good one. Thanks again for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Oh, that's fun. It's always fun.
we just, dude, ah, let's just take a sec. Let's take a breather real quick. Take a breather. I need, I need a breather. I need a breather, dude. Wow, dude. Like, I can feel that like, my cheeks hurt right here from like smiling that like, entire dude. 35 minutes that he was on with us. Dude, my mouth was like shaking because I was like trying to like let him talk, but I couldn't help but smile the whole time. I was like, don't smile. Don't smile. But I just couldn't help it, man. That was uh, that was awesome. Again, you know, I mean, the Valley sports team in general. I mean, Vinny's been on a few times. He's been tremendous, uh, giving people the perspective that they need uh, on the Brewers. Uh, Stephen Watson obviously covers Brewers and Bucks. We've had Craig on. Craig has given us our flowers. I mean, every time that we we talk to somebody and they they give us our flowers, it just you know he talked about his their fire being lit by fans that care. That kind of stuff lights our fire, you know. That Absolutely. that's that kind of stuff gets us gets us going. Wants us to work a little bit harder. Wants us to make more stuff. Come up with better questions. Have more guests. I mean, that's that's the stuff right there, man. I mean, I love it, dude. Yeah, that's talking to people that are living the dream and them man. saying that you know they think what we're doing is good is is cool. We're, I mean, we're living the dream too. I mean, we just don't know it yet, right? Yeah. Well, we're. We're working on the dream. It'll be the it'll be the full time dream someday, but got more work to do. So in the that meantime, was... we can we can go into the rest of our Bucks primer. We got some good nuggets from Stephen Watson. I think as far as the coaching staff goes, uh, talking about Adrian Griffin, we we know he's a player's coach. He's probably going to play the starters for more minutes per game um, mm-hmm. than than Mike Budenholzer was using his starters. He usually played them about 32, 34 minutes a game. It seems yep. like Adrian Griffin's probably going to be more around like that 34, 36 area, which that's where I get the thought that, you know what, I'm going to hold on to it because I have a bold prediction that revolves around that. But with, yeah, it's a good one. With, with Adrian Griffin, it seems like Brooke Lopez is still going to play the drop defense, but he's just not dropping quite as far. So I'll say that. And then looking – or I shouldn't say looking, but listening to – not only Adrian Griffin, but also Pat Connaughton talk about losing Drew Holiday and replacing his defense. They both kind of tiptoed around saying it the same way that you don't do it individually, but he believes that they can replace his defense collectively. Yep. Which is something that stood out to me about Adrian Griffin. Yep. I 100% agree with that too. Um, people keep talking about the defense and the thing that I always wanted to remind them, and I was just, I was just, chomping at the bit because I knew we had this this day plan, right? And I'm just waiting for it. We don't know what this team's going to look like collectively on the defensive end, right? Yeah. We understand what they look like, the shots that we were giving up, the percentages, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. We've talked about that for the last couple of years with Budenholzer, right? And I'm and just like Drew, I'm not trying to drag Coach Bud down because he brought us some great memories too and he coached some great teams and we had some record-setting teams under Coach Bud. But yeah. let's let's you know, we call an apple an apple, a spade a spade, right? Um, the defense just wasn't up to par. Uh, the Heat figured that out you know, pretty handily. They beat us two of the last four years in the playoffs. So, I mean, obviously they they had the the criteria to beat it. They had the solution to the math problem. So, the thing about the defense is you could tell the difference, right? They they played that that preseason game against OKC. They look kind of flat. They come out the next game. I don't know who they were playing? Maybe the I think it was the Grizzlies just- game. Yeah, I think it was the Grizzlies game. And you just saw everybody up on their man pressing. And that's the thing that I'm the most excited for with, with Griffin. And, you know, we've listened to all the interviews and all the players talk. And he seems like an intense guy. 
Like, mm-hmm. he's, he seems like he cares. And from a straight fan perspective, dude, like, I care too. So I want my coaches and my players to care. Like, I've always talked about, you know, I I do care if we lose, right? I'm, but I say, I don't care if we lose. I just want them to fight. Because I'm fighting from my house for this team. Because that's <laughs> all I could do. All I could do is be at my house and fight for my team, right? But they go to practice and they play the games. And it seems like he cares. And I think that's going to trickle down to everybody else. Because he's going to get to Giannis. And like Stephen Watson just said, when Giannis talks, everybody listens. So I think that's the thing that I'm most excited about with Griffin is he seems like he cares, he's intense, and I really think the defense is going to take a couple levels up, dude. I think the thing, too, that I want to add in that I didn't have in my notes because it just came from Steven Watson is that it made an impression on me when Steven Watson kept bringing up that he's a blue-collar type person. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is is really necessary thing because, um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's a mindset more so, and I think that's why he brought it up and said it that way. But mm-hmm. it's also you know, uh, having that, like, I think he said the, the phrase gritty also yeah. is, is being able to, to grit through things. And, you know, maybe that'll, uh, you know, inspire some more toughness and some more aggression on the defensive end, like you keep bringing up. So I do appreciate that as well. Um, I don't know if there's really a lot that you want to say on some of the other, um, assistance that they have i don't know if they're going to try to replace terry stotts it doesn't seem like it's something that they're super pressing about um so i'm not super concerned about it Uh, if if john horst is uh comfortable where they are i'm comfortable where they are um i think we've more than deservedly can put our trust in john horst agreed um you know as far as like the, the rest of the staff. I mean, Bucks fans should know who Joe Prunty is, right? Yep. Uh, he, he's been here before. He's been around the league for a long time. He's been in San Antonio, Dallas, Portland. He, he was in Cleveland, Brooklyn. I mean, this guy's been around for a long time. He was with the Hawks for the last couple of years. He's, he was an interim coach for the Bucks for, for a little bit there. He was an interim coach for the Hawks for a little bit. So you should know who he is. Uh, Patrick Matumbo. Uh, he's been around for a little while too. I mean, since uh, 2012, he started his coaching career with Denver. He's been with the Spurs, the Raptors. Uh, he was with the Raptors 905 as a player development coach. Um, and last year he was on the Phoenix Suns uh, coaching staff. So he's, he's been around for a while as well. Uh, DJ Baker, he's, he's strictly just been a G League guy, player development guy for, for the Pistons. Uh, now he's on the Bucks. Uh, Nate Mitchell, he was uh, in the G League with the main Red Claws. He was on the Raptors 905, and then he was an assistant uh, on the Hornets team that was very, very offensive-minded, in my opinion. So I think that Nate Mitchell could be a guy that uh, we like to do under the radar. Uh, I think he's a under-the-radar kind of coach. Uh, Nate Mitchell would be my choice, in my opinion. But, you know, really the, the coaching staff as a whole, I think it's strong. So yeah, and they kept Oppenheimer and Vin Baker as well. Yep. So, yep. um, Dad, we can talk to the Wisco Ball guy if the if the Bucks win it all this year. We might have to get some in horse we trust shirts. We know a guy that makes shirts. I like that actually. All right, let's talk some transactions. We have additions and departures. Uh, we can talk about the additions first. I mean, we're looking at. Malik Beasley, Robin Lopez, Andre Jackson Jr., Chris Livingston, Damian Lillard, Cameron Payne, and then they retained Chris, Brooke, Jay, Thanasis. I mean, who do you want to talk to or talk about with uh, with all these guys that they brought in? 
I mean, I think we've covered Dame, right? I mean, Dame right. is an unbelievable playmaker. He's an unbelievable shot maker and, and yep. shot taker. The guy is not scared of any moment that you could throw at him on a basketball court. Double teams, yep. shot clock running down, playoffs, it doesn't matter. Game, game winners. He's game me the Right. Uh, Cameron Payne, uh, a little upset that he brought him up because I was actually really, really excited about Cameron Payne. The thing that I'm most excited about Cameron Payne is we're going to get what we get out of the Damian Giannis, right? That's going to be the main focal point of this season is watching how that relationship on and off the court is going, right? 82-0 and 0 is a very bold record prediction. <laughs> that would be insane. Um, this is 100% true. My dad said Dame gives fans a giddy feeling when you realize he's on our team. Man, it really does, right? I, I um, We released our stat projections for Damian Lillard today, and, and we'll refresh on them in a little bit. But I, the thing that I keep saying is there was no point in the offseason until I literally saw the tweet that it was official that I thought that I would pre- be projecting Damian Lillard's statistics for the season. <laughs> no point. You know, in the – just to go off topic for a sec, me and you were actually talking, right? And we were working on stuff together. And, you know, we're seeing all the news on, oh, the Raptors are the front runner. Raptors are the front runner. And I, me and you kept talking, like, why are the Bucks not more in more of this conversation? And, you know, lo and behold, we're at work the next day on a Wednesday, and Damian Lillard is a Buck. And I shit you not, my God is my witness on my daughter's life. I ran out of the paint booth, looked at my phone. <laughs> And I said, holy shit, because I was losing it. And about 15 people were staring at me. And I had to go all the way across and talk to my basketball guy because he was over in the bottom booth. And we're just chopping it up. And I'm like, bro, Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck. I'm kind of shaking. And I'm like, bro, Damian Lillard. They're like, what? what, what? He's like, what did you give up? I'm like, I don't give a shit. We have Damian Lillard, dude. Do you understand this? When I first saw the tweet and I was like, it was like breaking news, Damian Lillard. I'm like, oh, okay. He's, you know, he's gone to Miami. He's gone to Toronto. And yeah. then I saw he traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. I was like, what? Because <laughs> we talked about it. Like, I yeah. I didn't think he was going to be traded to the Bucks because I thought they'd have to include Marjan, which was a deal breaker for Bradley Beal, it sounded like. Yeah. So I thought, you know, they that wasn't really going to come around to it. And um, the general consensus was that other teams were able to give better packages and more picks, which was true. But it yep. sounds like other teams kind of lowballing the Trailblazers allowed the Bucks to sneak in there and make their deal. That's that's exciting. That's business, um, baby. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up with campaign? I have a couple of stats that I want to throw out there with him. Yeah, the thing that I'm most looking forward to. Well, first of all, he has playoff experience, so that's something that people aren't True. bringing up about him. True. And he plays at a different pace. I love that he just likes to push the ball up the floor, right? And yeah, good call. It's going to be something that when we're playing that defense and he can get out in front of the defense because he's one of the quickest players in the NBA and he can go get some easy buckets and fast break. That's going to be something that people are going to really start to notice, you know, towards the middle of the season when the Bucks are really starting to hit their stride because we're going to, we're going to start out good. We're going to be a good team. Don't get me wrong, but there are going to be a little bit of growing pains as everybody kind of figures out the spots that they want to yep. be in, right? Like Chris has his spots yep. and they've all, they've all kind of talked about this. Giannis, Damon, Chris have all kind of talked about this, letting each other be each other. Right. And obviously Giannis and Chris, they understand each other, but they got to let Dame be Dame. And Giannis yep. has said that. So as that, as that formula is mixing and becoming the perfect mixture that it's going to be uh, come June, 2024, um, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible, dude. So we're gonna we're gonna have to let that happen. But in the middle of the season, I'm telling you, guys like Campaign and, and Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis, they're gonna be doing a lot of heavy lifting. Brooke Lopez yep. is still one of the most underrated. And you know, we used to say it about Drew Holiday, and it's still true about Drew Holiday. He's still underrated, in my opinion. Yep. At times he can literally take over games for weak stretches, right? But Brooke Lopez does not get brought up enough for underrated players. The guy impacts the game in so many different ways. It's well, how many times last year did we say that we have a big four? Right? And we still do. Yeah. We have a bigger four. <laughs> yeah. Bigger four. Um, with campaign, <laughs> we don't get the, the defense that Javon Carter presented, but I yeah. think we still get just as good at everything else. Right. And from a player who's, what, four inches taller? Yeah. So campaign, he gives the back the Bucks the backup point guard that they needed. He's a thirty six point three career three point shooter, like that. Um, and then the last two seasons, he averaged four point five and four point nine assists per game. I like that a lot. So campaign, he fits in just absolutely seamlessly uh, when you look yeah, at the Bucks does. roster. Yeah, he does. Um, going to Malik Beasley for me, day one. He steps into the role previously occupied by Grayson Allen. Uh, he's yep. going to be relied on as a three and D guy, probably a little bit more than Grayson Allen was. Um, and Stephen Watson telling us that he wants that is is it it makes an impression, which is it's good to hear that a guy wants to take that uh, that assignment on. And it's an important one. Yep. Um, and then he's just going to be the fifth option on the floor as, when it comes to the starting lineup. Uh, Reggie said, I think Malik Beasley is going to be fun. I, He's a good three-point shooter, and it cannot be lost on anybody how how much gravity that Giannis and Damian Lillard have. They're, they are gigantic planets when it comes to the solar system of a basketball floor. Yep. This is a sweet analogy I'm laying out right now. They have <laughs> a large gravity to both of them and then you're talking about putting brooke lopez who is i'll say top three shooting centers in the nba chris middleton who we know is a lethal shooter and malik beasley who led the nba in three-pointers made off the bench last year and you're putting those guys into situations where they can get three-point looks like warm-up jump shots and for all those people that are, and I've responded this, I don't even know how many times, but I'm going to say it again live on camera. People always say there's only one basketball, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there's a difference between only one, the, that term, with this Bucks team and the Phoenix Suns team. Because yes. with the Phoenix Suns, they need the ball to be effective. Not that they can't be effective off ball, but they are most effective with the ball in their hands. Giannis and Dane, Giannis can affect the game by setting a screen. Think about that for a second. Yep. He can have a massive impact by setting a screen, and both of them are willing passers. Yeah. Beal and, and, and Booker are not willing passers, in my opinion. I do I do think that KD is a little bit underrated with his playmaking. He's gotten better as his career has gone on. Same thing with defense. He's kind of grown in both areas. But Giannis and Dame are willing playmakers. They want to make the right basketball play. I, if there's one thing that I hope sticks around from Budenholzer's system offensively is I really like the play where they have, they did it with Pat Connaughton and they've done it with Giannis a little bit is where they put them in the corner yep. 
and then they run a pick and roll on the other side. And as they run the pick and roll, they have him cut to the lane because he's yep. gotten some massive dunks out of yep. that. Yeah. Um, so I would like cool. some stuff like that to stick around. Um, Robin Lopez, Andre Jackson Jr., Chris Livington. Anything you want to say on those three? Andre Jackson Jr. in like two years is going to be a monster. So stick around for that. He was one of my players that I noticed in the preseason is seeing it, especially in the second game, the second preseason game. The dude is working his ass off defensively. He's not known as a defensive guy. He's known a little bit more for his athleticism and his passing, but he's Mm -hmm. working his ass off on defense. And I see it and I appreciate it. So, Andre Jackson Jr., if you're watching this, I see you and I appreciate you. I will say that Andre Jackson and Marjan, the the player profiles that they've had uh, coming out of the draft, they are almost a marriage, like too perfect to like, like John Horse is cooking, dude. Like let's just call him. He's fucking cooking, dude. (laughs) Um, Robin Lopez, he's here for depth, and listening to him talk on media day, he said he's here to be a utility player and to do what the team needs. That's enough you know for me to give you a roster spot. You know what? You just make us laugh. You wrestle with Bango a little bit, wrestle with the other mascots. You do that WWE shit that you were doing. I'm cool, bro. We're going to get jump plenty of highlights. And maybe one per yeah. game. <laughs> right. The boss of three parties back. Love it. <laughs> we're going to be chilling, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Chris Livingston. He's six foot six and has a six foot 11 wingspan. Yeah, dude. Uh, basically just some more youth and athleticism. He kind of has a similar profile to Marjan as a slasher with some scoring ability. Um, and his length is a, is a defensive weapon. Yep. Um, so that's, that's a building block to me with Chris Livingston. Um, the departures, Drew Holiday, obviously, Grayson Allen, Joe Ingles, Javon Carter, Goran Dragic, and Myers Leonard, some depth guys. But um, anything you want to say about, about any of those guys on the departures? I mean, we've really... We've replaced all of them. So, I mean, I mean, thank you for your time, Milwaukee. Goran Dragic didn't make the impact I thought he was going to make. Uh, Wesley Matthews, I appreciate everything that he did for us. He was key for us on defense in a lot of big-time moments. Yep. Um, Joe Ingles, I really thought we were going to get a little bit more out of him in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Grayson Allen, you're welcome for turning you into a good defender because now you're a decent on-ball defender. I, I watched some of that game last night. Uh, Javon Carter, he's going to have the time of his life playing for his hometown team. So I'm yep. super happy for him. Yep. Drew Holiday is going to succeed in Boston. Boston's going to be a tremendous team. Yep. Um, as much as I hate them, I'm just going to say what it is. They're going to be really, really good, right? Yeah. It's going to be the Bucks. It's going to be the Bucks and the Celtics. They're going to be throwing haymakers at each other. What what has it been for the last couple of years, anyways? It's been Bucks and the Celtics. So I mean, nothing has changed. It would be stupid to try to discredit them. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's just a little bit added uh, added drama on this yeah. already rivalry that we had with them. Yeah, so. and we'll talk about them as a threat level in a little bit here. But um, yeah. And on your subject of, of bringing up Wesley Matthews, thank you. When he retires, I would instantly bring him on as an assistant coach. 100%. And I think he would take it too. The Literally the day he retires, give yeah. him a Milwaukee Bucks polo and put him on the bench. Great. All right, so – on stat predictions, so we've been using them to count down. So if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you'll be able to see our stat projections on there. Um, we did all of them up to today. 
Uh, today's release was Damian Lillard. Uh, mm-hmm. Tomorrow for Bucks game day is Giannis Tetacumbo's stats. So if you want to see where uh, where we have Giannis projected for this season, it's going to be exciting. That's coming up tomorrow for game day. Uh, Dad Wesley Matthews signed with Atlanta, so he is in mm-hmm. Atlanta. Um, but so far, we've released Malik Beasley and Marjan Bochamp, Jay Crowder, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, and then today was Damian Lillard. Tomorrow, our projections for Giannis will be out, and then we'll check on him through the season. Um, so we can go in there and, you know, we'll see what they do. Um, we can put those all together, actually, in a post, too, um, after tomorrow when, when Giannis is a release, so you can look at all of them. But a couple more things. We have the Eastern Conference threat level. We have record predictions and our bold predictions, and then we are going to set up Badgers. So a couple more yep. segments here. Uh, the Eastern Conference threat level. So I have three teams. Jake has three teams. We have them on a one through ten. The three that I have are the Celtics, the Knicks, and the 76ers. So I'm just going to rattle my three off. Yep. Um, I'm going to go bottom up. So okay. actually, you know what? No, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for the last one because I think you're going to – you're going to be like, oh, sneaky, I see what you did there with my last one. But I'm going to start with the Celtics. They're a 9 out of 10. Um, I would be fine with it if you wanted to put them at a 10 out of 10. There's really no denying that they have a big four. Um, with Drew, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Chris Porzingis. What they're going to have to battle, first of all, is health, especially with Chris Tapps. And then their depth took a large hit. A large hit. They they desperately need Al Horford to have a career year at age 37. Because they lost, they, they have Derek White still, but they lost Marcus Smart in the Porzingis trade. They lost Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon in the trade for Drew Holiday. And what I think is arguably their biggest loss, maybe besides Marcus Smart, is they lost Grant Williams to the Dallas Mavericks. Yep. He was one of their most versatile players. He guarded and a lot of positions. He guarded one through five, basically, and he shot like 75% from three against the Bucks in the playoffs, it felt like. Yeah. Um, and he he's a flopper, but he gets foul calls. He gets mm-hmm. calls. Mm-hmm. So, and he's he's a capable defender. So the Celtics lost that. That's why I don't have them as a 10 out of 10, but they're still, like I said, they have a big four. They still have Derek white. They're, they're just going to have to try to cover up their interior defense. Uh, when they play the bucks, that's going to be their, their Achilles heel. Uh, my second team that I have is the Knicks. I have them as a six out of 10 on the threat level. Uh, they have a pretty decently balanced roster Jalen Brunson. They added Dante DiVincenzo. They have Josh Hart, who's a player that I like. They have R.J. Barrett, who I think is a player that's overrated. But they have Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. They just don't have as much talent of other Eastern Conference teams, in my opinion. Um, They're just a pretty pretty level team. Uh, They're a team that's basically you can lock them into the four or the five in the playoff seating and pencil them into the second round of the playoffs to be beaten by one of the better teams. Um, Josh said, I think New York's going to have a great year. I think they're going to have a solid year, but I don't think they're better than the Bucks, the Heat, the Celtics, or the Cavaliers. Um, and then my last team I have is the Philadelphia 76ers. I have them as an incomplete out of 10. Oh, 
They <laughs> they are in trouble with James Harden. Oh, you just shit on them so bad. <laughs> they wh- whatever they are gonna do, it's it all has question marks written on it because they still have James Harden on their roster. Yeah. He showed up apparently ready to travel with the team today, and they told him no, that he's not traveling with the team because he's not playing. No freaking way. Yes, they told him to stay in Philadelphia. No freaking way, dude. Um, He wasn't going to play. It was already announced that he wasn't going to play, but he was still going to travel with the team, and they told him to stay in Philly. <laughs> that is disrespectful. Well, you're gonna tell me he doesn't deserve it. You're gonna tell me. No, James I'm, I'm not. I'm not taking his side. But like three years. L- listen, listen. I'm not taking his side. I hate James Harden just as much as you do. I shouldn't say hate. I dislike James Harden just as much as you do. But bro, that's disrespectful. Like <laughs> Jesus. He, yeah, he is. I don't really have any problems saying it. He is cancer. Yeah. Everywhere he's gone, he's left nothing but problems behind him. Yeah. There, I can't tell you if any team that he's been on has been like, we miss James Harden. We're sad to see him go. I don't think he's had that. Thunder, no. Houston, eh. That's the only one that has a chance. Brooklyn, no. Or he looked like Cadillac from the and one tour when he left Houston. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh on the God. subject of the 76ers, outside of James Harden. <laughs> Tyrese Maxey is a future star. Um, Joel Embiid was able to cry his way to an MVP. Uh, Tobias Harris is inferior to Chris Middleton. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Kelly Oubre does not move the needle. 
I am not scared of Philadelphia at all. If we end up having a Buck 76ers matchup in the playoffs, I strongly believe the Bucks win in five games or less. Can I tell you a random but hilarious story about Kelly Oubre and James Harden? So I saw this floating around on the internet, and this is apparently the reason that James Harden has asked for a trade from the 76ers, or it's one of the reasons. So when he w- when James Harden was in Houston, he fell in love with his girl, right? And he had a birthday party, and his girl left with, with a, you heard this? His girl left with, uh, with another guy, and the other guy ended up being Ke- Kelly Oubre. And this girl ended up falling in love with Kelly Oubre, getting married to him, having a couple of kids with him. And James Harden was like, yo, give me, give me off this team. So James Harden got traded, obviously, to Brooklyn. We know that. Um, and then he, he ends up in Philadelphia where he then starts, you know, grumblings of asking for a trade. So Daryl Morey responds to the trade request by signing <laughs> Kelly Oubre, who stole his girl, dude. Oh, that's funny. That is the biggest middle finger without a physical <laughs> middle finger I've ever seen in my life. That That's is hilarious. <laughs> so, All right, give me that. your Eastern Conference threat level, and then we'll do bold predictions, record predictions, and then get Mikey in here. Yeah, so I'll, 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 I'll knock this out real quick. So the top one, I have the Miami Heat. Uh, I have them as an 8 out of 10. Now people are going to be like, 8? I, I would have them higher, but they actually lost a lot. Uh, they lost Gabe Vincent. Uh, they lost Max Struess. Uh, both guys were vital in their run last year, yep. the guys that they developed. Um, and the biggest loss for me personally is Udonis Haslam. Uh, you cannot oh. understate the the locker room presence that that guy was. Like, when you think about the Miami Heat, think about a lot of things, right? Another but guy that should handed a polo as soon as he retired. Dude, for real. Um, he he should have been wearing a polo the last two years, but he decided to put a jersey on. But right. anyways, <laughs> um you know, when you think of the Miami Heat, you're going to think about a lot of things. But the one thing that you're guaranteed to think about is Udonis Haslam because he was there for it all. Um, kept They kept uh, Love. Eh. They kept Josh. They got Josh Richardson in a trade. Eh. Eh. They kept Thomas Bryant. Eh. The one thing that they do have going for them, though, because the Miami Heat are still a very well-coached team. That He's been to six finals. Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the NBA. And they have Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is one of the most self-motivated players in the NBA. Um, Even if he does look like a gigantic moron in his now picture for the year, I mean, I don't know what any of that was. But he's doing a lot of talking. Because it's funny. Uh, It's not funny to me. (laughs) I think he looks like like an idiot. But um, 8 out of 10, I think, is a good score. But the top three players for them, um, I have Hero, Bam, and Jimmy. That's a pretty solid big three, in my opinion. Uh, Hero doesn't play any defense. But Bam and Jimmy, those are two terrific players. Uh, I, I honestly, if you had to ask me, you know, a little off topic, if I had to pick between Bam Adebayo or Anthony Davis, I'm thinking Bam Adebayo 10 out of 10 times. And I'm not even shitting you when I say that. I know exactly why, and the reason is availability. Yep, and he still impacts the games in the same exact way. So it is what it is. Next, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers, and you might not like this, but I have them as the same threat level as New York Knicks. I have them as a 6 out of 10. And the main reason is they don't have anybody to guard Giannis. I'm sorry. Um, you, you can look up a 15-minute highlight reel of Giannis strictly just dunking on Evan Mobley and Jared, <laughs> who am I thinking of? Jared Allen. I mean, Jared Allen, I mean, he dunked on him so many damn times that they made 
a graphic, you know, in the game of 2K because of how Giannis dunked on Allen and his reaction afterwards. So they re-signed Karis LeVert. They signed George's Niang. They signed a guard named uh, Ty Jerome. They acquired Max Struess from the Heat, who, by the way, he was the Heat's fourth leading scorer, so that's a bigger loss than they're letting on. And they signed Tristan. All I do is tre- all I do is cheat on my wife Thompson. So I mean, <laughs> they they got they still got some good players. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is a tremendous player. He's one. Of, he's probably the best shooting guard in the league. And maybe not. He's one of the, he's up there. Him or he's him or Booker. Him or Booker. Yeah. Um, Darius Garland. He's a good player, but he's really a one trick pony. Um, he's a good when when he's on from three. He's a terrific player, but other than that, he's undersized and he doesn't play defense. Right. Uh, Evan Mobley, he needs to take a big step up in his three-point shooting to really become a threat. So then he's my last one. On too. Yeah. Uh, he my needs, last he one. needs that 2019 Giannis and the white tank top. He needs that offseason. Yeah, real bad. Um, I have the Indiana Pacers. And the Indiana Pacers on paper actually have a really, really nice roster. Yep. But um, – they acquired Obi Toppin, which is actually an underrated move. I think Obi Toppin is going to be terrific for the Pacers. He fits in really, really well, well with that roster. Tyrese Halliburton. They never used him right in New York, in my opinion. No, they didn't. He's going to fit in really good with this, this the way that the Pacers like to play. But Tyrese Halliburton, uh, 20 points, 10 assists. Uh, he shot 40, 41% from the field, 40% from three. Oh, I'm sorry, 47% from the field and 87% from the free throw line. So he's almost a 50, 40, 90 guy. Uh, Miles Turner. We both love Miles Turner. The guy can shoot yep. threes. The guy blocks shots. He runs the floor. He's terrific. And Buddy Heald, we all know he's a striper from the three-point line. So that's actually a, a very solid core of big three. If any of them could take that next step into stardom, that could really, really uh, make them a viable threat. But right now I have them as a four out of ten just because they're just – they're not there. They're a fun team to watch, but they're not there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think another guy that needs to be brought up on on the subject of the Pacers is Bruce Brown. Oh, that's a good one. Um, they they snagged him from Denver. Yeah. I think he's another one of those guys that fits their identity, um, and it gives them a, a defensive presence that they need. I like that. All right, so let's let's do our record prediction. Stephen Watson, sixty wins. I was like, what? <laughs> So let's do our let's do our head and heart record predictions. What do you have their record prediction from the head? I have just shy of sixty. I have fifty nine and twenty three from the head. Yep. All right. I have them at fifty six wins from the head. Still finishing as the two seed in the East. Okay. Um, what do you have their record prediction from the heart? This is where I went just over the 60 win mark, but I am at 62 wins from the heart. Oof, that'd be that'd be amazing. I would love to see that. Um uh, from the heart, I have them as I have them at 59 wins. Ooh. So I think they're realistically, if you're looking at a window, I do think they'll be somewhere in that 56 to 60 range. Yeah, 100 Um, all right, here we go. Last segment, the most fun one. Bold yep. predictions. Give me your first bold prediction. So uh, the Bucks will average their most points ever in a season, and they will lead the NBA in points per game at 125 points per game. The most points the Bucks have ever averaged in a season was in 2020-2021 when they averaged 120. Damn. You like that one? <laughs> that ties in really nicely to my first one. Oh, nice. And I talked about this with Adrian Griffin using guys for more minutes per game. Yeah. 
I think Giannis and Damian Lillard will both continue to average 30-plus points a game by playing more minutes under Adrian Griffin than they would have under Coach Bud. Oh, damn. I like that. Oh, your dad coming in hot. That's a real nice one. Oh, shit. That'd be crazy. Has that ever happened? I bet it's happened before, but two guys on the same team, that'd be amazing. There's no way. Well, maybe maybe when there was like freaking three people in the league that mattered, but that was a long time ago when that happened. So here's my next one. I think you're going to like this one too. Giannis will lead the league in points per game, so he's going to win the scoring title, and he's going to win the Defensive Player of the Year. So the last time Giannis won the Defensive Player of the Year, he averaged 29.5 points per game. That's second all-time for a guy winning Defensive Player of the Year. MJ averaged 35. That was the most ever. Giannis will be just short. He'll average 34, his number. Man. We didn't, we haven't brought up at any point this season that Giannis, shortly after the Bucks got eliminated by the Heat, he posted like the, the tweet of like him sitting on the bench yep. that we're getting angry Giannis this year. Bro, I was thinking it when he said the Bobby Portis that he's pissed off. I was like, so we're getting Bobby Portis <laughs> pissed off and Giannis pissed off, and then we're just gonna have Dame shooting thirty-five footers. Sign me up. And that ties into up. my second one because we're also getting Chris Middleton off ball in catch and shoot situations. My second one is that Chris Middleton shoots fifty percent on catch and shoot threes. Oh hell no, though he shoots fifty percent on catch and shoot, not overall. But I'm catch and shoot specifically. Bro, catch and shoot, bro. I don't care. 50%. You're telling me that one out of every two he's making? Dude, when he's – bro, okay, listen to me. You're going to have Damon Giannis running a pick and roll. You're going to have Chris Middleton in the opposite corner, and you have Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo running a pick and roll, and you're going to tell me that Chris Middleton's not going to get three wide-open threes every single game by yeah. himself in the opposite corner yeah. in addition to what Chris Middleton brings himself? Yeah. Just by trading for Damian Lillard, we got Chris Middleton three wide open threes per game without him having to dribble the ball. Yep. And that's going to say he's going to shoot 50% on catch and shoot. I like that. All right. My last one is Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is going to make 300 three pointers this season. He's going to move to fourth all time in three point makes. There has been six times that somebody has made 300 threes, four times has been by Steph Curry. Shocker. Shocking. One time by Harden, his MVP year, and one time by Clay Thompson. So Damian Lillard is going to join that list of players to make 300 threes in a season. All right. You're going to love my last one. one. This is a perfect one to end on. The Milwaukee Bucks win the championship without playing a single game seven. Oh, boy. Everything's in six. Everything's, Everything's in, in six, six or less. <laughs> Everything's in six. I like that. I like that. Let's go. All right. Again, as we're uh, wrapping up with the Bucks, I want to, again, give another thank you to Stephen Watson for joining us. Um, not that we don't like having Mike on the show to bring in our, our second guest of the day. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Um, so no offense to Mikey, but Stephen Watson was an awesome guest, and we really appreciate him for joining us to talk about the Brewers for a little bit in the Bucks. But we're going to switch into the Badgers. So the Badgers had a really interesting comeback win on Saturday. And we talked about you know, having a freshman quarterback, we talked about Braden Locke a lot uh, last Wednesday, and we have some takeaways for today. But jumping into our power pair players, um, we are going. Mike has our offensive power pair player. 
Oh, okay. Uh, so offense, we got uh, we decided on Phil Longo, I, I believe. Yep. Uh, just with the pre- I mean, yeah, you could go multiple ways with this. Obviously, some certain guys stuck out. Uh, but no, and it, more so, you can pick you know, multiple parts of the game. But it was more so on that final drive. Uh, we got to give a shout out to you know a couple guys. You got Bray- Braden Locke, obviously, with the clutch throws. You got the big man Nolan Rucci with that absolute wild of a call that no one saw coming. Um, and then you got Braylon Allen too, who converted a crucial, crucial third and 10 uh, when we were right around the midfield area and Illinois didn't even have, they didn't have a um, like only like five, five guys in the box. It was like a regular defensive setup too. So I think the fact that Braylon, Braylon got that third and 10 speaks large volumes because it wasn't like they had everybody completely spread out on Illinois end. So um, no, but I mean, that last drive, I think, is really predicated to how we want this offense to, you know, look like down the road. And the fact that we could get it done with a guy like Brayden Locke, who was making his first career start, um, you know, definitely speaks volumes. I don't care it's that it's Illinois. This is at a Big Ten uh, school um, yep. on the road with, with 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 windy, very windy conditions, too, mind you. So True. I don't um, no, Phil Longo put together at one hell of a final drive there specifically. Um, you know, even the touchdown throw to Pauling earlier in the game too. He set up, well, Pauling got his first touchdown last game. Shout out. My bad. Um, but, um, no, that final drive by Longo, that's, I think that's, you know, a replica of what we want to do. Balanced attack because Braylon got his touches and, um, you know, even a, the, the, a five-star recruit. Uh, can you a uh, big man can even catch a touchdown for us? So, uh, props to to Mr. Longo. Hey, that was a hands catch too. That was a hands yeah. catch. No body. dude. He almost overthrew him like that. That was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, and Rucci, Nolan Rucci, six seven, or he might be six eight, and he almost like overthrew, <laughs> right? which is wild, dude. So, uh, no, what a wild, wild play call. I did not expect it at all, as I'm sure no one in. Badger Nation expected because no. uh, Nolan Rucci, obviously, he's a backup left tackle. You know, what the hell is I he mean, doing out there? Game of but... the line. Let's throw it to alignment, right? I mean, Credit to sense. Phil Longo. That's part of the reason why he's in there. Credit to Phil Longo for having the stones to call that play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for defense, we went with our guy, CJ Getz. He's, I've said this a couple weeks ago, he's really adapting to the outside linebacker role really well. Mm-hmm. Um, he had 10 tackles on Saturday. Um, had a uh, half of a sack and a pass defense. For some reason, PFF credited him with two sacks. I don't know about that, but um, I'll give him. I'll give him one. I'll meet in the middle. I'll give him one sack uh, and then a pass defense. Just good work by him. I really, really appreciating this. Is it feels almost like a carbon copy of what I was saying last year, where it feels like every game he continues to get better and do more. We're we're seeing that this season too. Uh, we're yeah. seeing CJ gets doing more and, and getting better as the weeks go on. So I'm appreciating seeing that. Um, Josh, we'll come to your question here in a minute when we get into some things on offense, but uh, Jake, who is our underrated performer this week? So this is going to sound a little corny, but stick with me here for a sec. My underrated, underrated performer is the entire defense. Now hmm. the reason for that is this team was down. They were out. They have a backup quarterback to Mike's point. They were in, it's still a Big Ten school. They're on the road at a Big Ten school, and they they have to have the realization to look themselves, look their brothers in the face, 
and be like, all right, are we going to talk about it or are we going to get it done, right? And Illinois scored with 430 left in the third quarter. And from that moment on, the defense was locked down. I, my God, dude, I am just still just so proud of the heart that this team showed. If there's one thing that I took away from this from this game is that this team has heart and they have guts. And what other team did we say that about, Tyler? We said that about the we, Brewers. Yeah. We said that about the Brewers in the middle of their season when they look when they had to look themselves and their brothers in the face and be like, we're going to talk about it, we're going to get this shit done. I am so proud to be a Badger right now because of the way that they presented themselves from the, the middle of the third quarter, middle late, to in the fourth quarter. And, man, I tell you what, they talked about it and they got it done. So I love everything about that. I honestly think this could be a turning point. And I know we obviously got yep. Ohio State coming up this weekend. But yep. I'll tell you what, when you see guys making those clutch plays, that's going to feed – other guys are going to feed off of that, like going into practice and even in the weeks, yep. you know, beyond obviously this weekend. But I think this could be a turning point. I really think so in terms of – Obviously, we haven't played clean football. I mean, there's no question about it. But I yeah, do but think as the weeks go on, we're going to see more different guys, you know, making those big-time plays. And, you know, calling out Skylar Bell, too, who has had, you know, question had has had a few drops, you know, throughout the season. But he made you – know, this is probably his biggest catch, arguably, of his whole time at Wisconsin. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah – more so, like, I think this other guys are going to feed off of this going forward, for sure. Yeah. So, Mike, just uh, just keep going. What what do you think improved on the offensive side of the ball? So, I, I actually had, like, you know, I've talked about it in weeks past. We had different receivers, like, st- step up again. Obviously, we got the Skyler with the catch. And you got Will Paul- Pauling. Um, shout out to Will Pauling, first off. I wanted to call this out, too. He's ninth in total yards in the Big Ten. So, he's pushing to get on that all Big Ten you know, come at, you know, end of the year. So he's leading the Badgers in receiving yards too. Got his first touchdown too, shout out. So, um, you know, he seems to be like this year being like the go-to guy ultimately. I know DK can obviously do his thing. Uh, We know other guys that can do their thing too, but Will Pauling's putting together one heck of a year. So on this uh, subject real quick, let's answer Josh's question. Why do you, why do you guys think they don't use the guy from USC more being CJ Williams? You know, I think that I don't know. I don't even think it's more, more such of a. Um, I think it's a skill. I think it might be just like a skill issue with like other guys ahead of him. We Will Pauling's obviously carving his name out. Uh, Skylar Bell is making clutch catches. You got Chimery DK as well, who's a seasoned vet. Um, you know, it is a loaded room, and we have to remember that C.J. Williams is also very young. He's a red. He's a redshirt freshman coming from USC, who can he hardly got any snaps. So uh, not all college players are going to come in their freshman year and, you know, have seven, 800 yards of receiving their first year. That's just not the case. Yes. He was a four star high four star recruit. That's fine. But you're going off of potential kind of like NBA draft picks. You're going off of potential and what they can do. Yep. So that's how I would answer that. The other guy that I want to throw in, you mentioned a bunch of guys. The other guy for me that needs to be brought up is Bryson green. Yeah. God damn it. Tyler. He was my guy that I was excited for. No, 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 no. Give me that. Um, He had had 36 receptions at at Oklahoma State last year, so he was going to be a factor. Yeah, so I I agree with both of you. I think it's a depth chart issue. I mean, Skylar Bell, all of his snaps, literally almost all of his snaps from the slot, 
who's the guy that dominates that position? It's Will well, Pauling, right? Mm-hmm. Will Pauling dominates the slot. So when Will Pauling's not in the game, Skylar Bell is playing slot. And for me, when Bryson Green's not in the game, that's when C.J. Williams is in the game. It's a right. depth chart thing. It has yep. nothing to do with his talent or what he's going to be or what he's projected yep. to be. Like Mike is saying, he's a four-star. Who knows? He he gets comfortable in this offense. He gets gets comfortable. Braden Locke see, sees where he likes to put the ball. He's still going to get some playing time with him the rest of this season. Who says he doesn't pop off next year? He could be a right. breakout candidate next year, right? So right. let's just uh, ride the wave. I don't think that there's any problem. Uh, he hasn't, you know, voiced any, you know, disconcern with his position on the depth chart either. So let that's ride. the thing is it's different in college than it is in the NFL where, yeah. you know, it's in the college. It is more like a you're walking up steps to be in the next spot, whereas mm-hmm. in the NFL – it's more like I don't know how I want to put it, but it's more like as soon as you're ready, you're in. But in, yeah. in college, it's more like we're gonna go with the guys who have been here longer, who have done it more, and then we're gonna work in the next guys to follow in those guys' footsteps into their positions. So it's kind of yep. it's a little bit different in college than the NFL. Um yep. and yeah, like you said, when Bryson Green's not in, that's when CJ Williams is in. And yes, he is technically he's a freshman. Um, I think he, he had what two receptions at USC last year. Like he barely played at USC. I mean, let's not forget he had two big, I was going to call, I was about to call him out too. He had two big catches in that Illinois game too. Let's not, he is getting snaps. I think he had Mm -hmm. a 19, he had a 19 yard reception uh, before we got our first touchdown, I believe. And then he had another 14 yard catch later on that second half, which both catches were huge. So he is getting snaps. Um, You know, it, it, it is a depth issue though. So it, I'm looking, I'm still very excited for him. We got three more years of him, maybe two if he just balls out. So obviously I'm excited for his future and he's definitely going to be a part of it, obviously with, with, you know, with Braden Locke. Yeah, you're, you were correct. It was a 19 yard reception on the touchdown drive. So good call. I was, I was looked at it too. I was like, Good memory, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. He's got the he's got the coaching headset, and now all of a sudden he remembers every single play. <laughs> yep. Somehow, yeah. Um, Love it. He's even got the whiteboard behind him. Should have you should have drawn like a random <laughs> yeah, play on that. There, that Michigan. You should have you you drew the the game when he touched down on there. Oh my god! Yeah, like I said, you should have drawn a play on there that Michigan could try to steal. I didn't have the time. I, I, I just reserved the room for from like four fifty-five to like six six thirty. I don't know. I, I could have maybe in a few weeks, or I don't know. We'll come up with something more creative. I ha- I couldn't let it just stay there, stay in white. I had to write something. So, hey, um, uh, next week you go write Ohio State's overrated. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait to do that. No. <laughs> All right, Jake. What improved for you on the offensive side of the ball? So, Josh, talking about uh, Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen told the media that he had this game circled. Uh, the thing that improved for me was the running game, and it was all Braylon Allen. Like, there was other guys. I mean, Jackson Aker got a couple carries. Braden Locke was negative yards. Uh, it was Braylon Allen. Uh, he had 162 total yards, one touchdown, 112 yards after contact. Yeah, that's nuts. And seven tackles for, uh, missed, like forced. Missed four tackles. He had 145 rush yards. That means it's 16 from receiving. Um, last year against Illinois, the reason that he had this game circled is he had eight carries for two yards. So it, it just the worst game of his career. He had a, and the craziest part about him having eight carries for two yards is he had a long run of three yards. Yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> 
So, you know, and if, if there's anything I can say about Braylon Allen, uh, after that Illinois game, he actually had four straight 100-yard games. So uh, if, if there's anything to look at from this game, Braylon Allen's about to feast. And if you're going to say, like, oh, no, we're playing Ohio State next, I was ready for that. Last year against Ohio State, he had 23 carries for 165 yards and a touchdown. So play it up. And they were number three last year, and we played them too. And last year's game was at Ohio State. This game's in Madison. So that'll be a big difference. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, do you think he goes to the draft after this season? No. No, no. huh? No, he's going to come back next year. As it stands now, if I if the season ended today and how it – I would say no either. He would be – I'm no analyst. He would be a day three guy right now in my view. Um, but he's got – there's a lot more to it. There's a more – there's a lot of season left. I disagree I just, on the day three. I, I disagree on the day three. He's, def, he's definitely a second rounder. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. There's but, a lot of season to go. I need yeah. to see him do more against – a team like Ohio State. You know, Let me say I don't know. This. On the subject of when he would be drafted, personally, I think I think he would go to the draft unless you know the rest of the season goes and he, you know, really ends up liking the system um, that they're installing, and you know he thinks he can thrive in it. Um, the other thing is is that the thing that's going to keep him from being a potential first round pick is he needs to develop more as a pass blocker. Yes, that's something that's going to translate to the next level. Um, Yes. And you hold know, on. He had a crazy block in those. He did. He game. did. And he's done it a couple times he here and good there, one. but he needs to be a consistent, a consistently good pass blocker. Because yes. Jake, I know you and I, when we've we've talked about some plays, um, there's been some kind of ugly misses where it's like Braylon Allen's got to find that guy and block him. Um, yeah. so I think he's got to work on that. So whether it is something that he thinks is gonna potentially hold him back from being a higher draft pick, then I could see him coming back. Um, if it's something that teams are willing to deal with and draft him, um, then I could see him going to the draft. So I guess I do agree with you, Mike. We need to see kind of how the rest of the season goes. I will say though, uh, you know, the Badgers are now 17 and two when Braylon rushes for over hundred yards. There's that. So and one of those losses is Ohio state that we know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Correct. I> mean... <laughs> okay. So for me, what improved on the offensive side of the ball is the offensive balance. The Badgers ran 76 plays on Saturday. Holy shit, that's a lot of plays. Mm -hmm. uh, Josh said he's heartbroken that Chez is gone. Chez can come back because of medical reasons. So, because he got injured. Mm -hmm. So, Chez will be back next yeah, year. Yeah, that's TBD yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm putting my eggs in that basket that he's back. That's why but, I think Braylon's going to come back because it's going to be Chez last year. I could see it. Um, 76 plays, 41 passes, 35 runs. Braylon, uh, Brandon Locke had a 133 rating when targeting Will Pauling. I like that. Um, the 95 uh, receiving yards that Will Pauling had was a career high. I like that. Uh, Braylon Allen had 29 carries for the 145 and a touchdown, plus the two, six, two for 16. Uh, receiving 31 touches. I am here to admit that I was wrong. Last week when I said that I didn't think he was capable of handling 25 to 30 touches because he was pretty banged up in the Iowa game. So I'm really actually what I'm going to say now is after admitting that I was wrong about it is that I'm very encouraged by what it means for the future if that's behind him. 
yeah. because if now he's he's shown that he can handle 30 touches in a game and play the whole game that that gives me a lot of stability for the running back position so i i do get some encouragement from that um and i you know i said i thought the batters were going to throw the ball they still threw the ball 41 times mm-hmm. and 21 completions there was Two drops credited to the Badgers, I would say three, but a 9.6 average depth of target, which I thought was a little interesting. Um, so they're letting they're gonna let Braden Locke sling it. I like it. So that'll be interesting to see how that translates going from uh an Illinois team that lost the dudes to the bunch or a bunch of dudes to the NFL uh to number three Ohio State. But we'll talk about that. But uh Mike, for you, what needs to improve on the offensive side of the ball? It goes, I, I talked about this last week a bit. It, it goes back to discipline, man. Um, you know, specifically in that first quarter, we had six, but we had six penalties granted. It was but like Tyler kind of pointed out in our chat, it was better the rest of the game. But this goes to, you know, we've, we've talked about this before too, having those slow starts. This is exactly why, like, we, we can't put together consistent weeks with having good starts. It's been a bit, it has been a problem that there's no, like, that's, you know, clear as day. So we have a lot, we we just got to clean that up, whether it's offensive side, offensive side, defensive side of the ball. I know our offensive line, once again, was struggling quite a bit in that regard. Um, you know, I don't want to leave Bray, Bray. I got to call out uh, uh, Braden Locke a little bit because he did have that fumble. That's part of it. Um, but with those penalties, you can't put in a young court. Uh, that's it. A situation like that, you can't put your first-time starter quarterback like in those scenarios. So um, that's something I, I that got needs more to on be. that type of subject yeah. of war. And so. I mean, on top of that too, when it goes to, like discipline and all that, we had the bad hole on that chip shot field goal that we should have had three points on as well in the first half, which mm-hmm. was crucial at the time yeah, for sure. So I'm um, just watching it. So it just goes back to discipline and, you know, which led to having a very slow start once again, um, that we're just not playing clean, clean football right now in that regard. So it's something that needs to be repeatedly said in my view. Uh, Jake, what about you? What improved on the off or what needs to improve on the offensive side of the ball for you? Drops, right? Yep. That, that's uh, something that's really, really been killing us. Um, so as far as the tight ends go, uh, Rucci and Ashcraft, uh, they both had zero drops last week, but on the season, Ashcraft has one drop and Rucci has three drops. So, I mean, that's not a great start already. Shout uh, out Riley Nolkowski, by the way. He played a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, as far as the wide receivers go, CJ Williams, he had zero. Uh, Green had zero. They both have one drop each on the season. Uh, Bell and Pauling were the two people that had drops in this game. Although DK should have had a drop. Yeah, there. I, yes. I counted one for DK. This is the yeah, one I where would. Tyler and I agreed. Um, I agree but too. They didn't. They didn't credit him with with a drop. So he had zero. So we had two drops technically. But on the season, Bell has three drops. DK has two, and Pauling has three. He has a drop in three of the last four weeks. As good as he's been, that's probably the one thing that I think he would say he needs to clean up. But in total, we have fourteen drops, and. Mike, you're talking about cleaning up some, some of the, the, the hidden yardage stuff that coaches talk about all the time. And this is something else that can help a young quarterback is not dropping balls, securing the ball. Um, hi, Winter. <laughs> she, she was crying for me upstairs, but hi, baby. Um, you know, you're talking about helping a young quarterback out. This can go for the, the Packers and the Badgers. 
the wide receivers have to step up. Uh, I mean, you've been playing football your entire lives. You're a wide receiver for, for most of it. If you're a wide receiver, run the route, catch the ball. Simple as that. Um, for me, and this ties into what Mike was saying about helping out your young quarterback is the offensive line needs to improve. Yes. So help out your young quarterback. Locke got sacked twice and faced 15 pressures. He had 43 dropbacks and faced 15 pressures. That's over a third of the time that he yeah, dropped back to pass that he was under pressure. That nose tackle was a problem. He was that's, and that's, that's true. Um, Jack Nelson and Tanner Bartolini were good blocking. Jack Nelson did have two penalties on him, which, you know, it is what it is. But, um, Malman, four pressures and one penalty. And, um, Huber, three pressures and Fertney, two pressures. So what I will say with Nelson and Bartolini, good blocking is the Badgers on rushes to the left side of the formation 12 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Nice. So we're going to go that way. We're going, yeah. we're going that way. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go that way. Um, so that's for me, it's, it's the offensive line that needs to improve. But Mike, on the defensive side of the ball, what, what did improve? I mean, yeah, I was trying to look at this. And at the end of the day, because I know you guys are going to touch base on some other stuff. I got pat, pass defense. I mean, we only gave up 100 yards total to Altmeyer, who I thought going in when we were talking last week, I thought we they were going to actually throw the ball more than uh, what ended up being the, the case. So th- we did give up two touchdowns. They, they were pretty close. Like, I believe they were in the, in the red zone. So um, 100 yards total passing. Not too much to say off of that. But, um, you know, not, not bad for a team that, for the most part, was known for their pa- passing. So, um that's all I'll say there. But, yeah, 100 yards, not too bad. Uh, Josh asked if Tanner can come back. I think technically because he's played less than half the season, I think he can actually. But I don't actually, know I'm not going to rule him out coming back this year. Yeah, I don't – yeah, we don't – I wouldn't rule him out for this this year yet. Um, all Fix said was that he would be out for a while most likely. So, yeah. um, But they, they didn't don't have rule to, him They don't have the to year, report no. injuries as thoroughly as they do in the NFL. Yes. Correct. So I wouldn't rule it out for this year yet. Uh, yeah. As far as next year goes, I'm honestly not sure uh, in this situation because this is his like sixth year, I believe. Right. So I don't know. Braden Locke will have a lot to say about that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. True. If he's Very balling, true. If he's balling out and Tanner Mordecai is healthy, they might honestly stick with Braden Locke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? It's so same, same for a reason. Yeah, Jake, on your Opinion, what uh, what did improve on the defensive side of the ball? So I was also looking at the pass defense, believe it or not. But, you know, like Mike said, we gave up 13, 13 catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns. I am in the thought process that both those touchdowns came off of the run game because the run game was so good for them. Those guys wouldn't have been open without the run game. They were both play-action plays, both the tight ends, both close to the goal line. Yeah. So the defense was a little bit better. I mean, they gave up a couple chunk plays. But overall, they were better. And like you said, Mike, uh, for a team that was known for passing, I did not know that guy was a, such a good athlete, by the way. But holy crap, that guy's yeah. got some legs on him. Holy shit, dude. Yes. Uh, for me, it was the team effort. And I'm not saying that the Badgers didn't have a good effort, but like a team effort as a collective mm-hmm. is for me what I put in here. Um, 
I didn't bring this up with CJ Getz uh, as the defensive power pair because I wanted to bring it up here. Seven pressures for CJ Getz. He also had four defensive run stops and a sack. I mean, I'm going to say it again. I'm really impressing with how he's continuing to get better every week and adapting to that outside linebacker role. Um, it's, it's fun to watch and it's cool to see him improving every week. Um, Hunter Waller, naturally 13 tackles and John yeah. 12 tackles in the absence of Jordan Turner. Uh, also had two tackles for loss and a sack, five defensive run stops. Uh, Ricardo Hallman targeted four times, gave up two receptions for 13 yards. Had a Love 57.3 rating when targeted. Just don't don't throw a Ricardo Hallman. He's locking shit down. Oh, yikes. <laughs> and then Preston Zachman, kind of an unsung hero of the team so far this year. He had eight tackles. Yeah, he's been pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Daryl Peterson had a sack and a half. And then the last guy that I want to bring up, and Luke Fickle did talk about this a little bit in some of his postgame interviews, is uh, Christian Allegro. Allegro? Allegro? I don't know. Yeah. Um, was put in at the end of the game to shadow Altmeyer. And on the last possession of the game, he got a pass breakup. Yep. So uh, just all around, just the amount of amount of contributions from the entire defense um, is, yeah, is something that I saw that was improving. Um, but Mike, in your opinion, what does need to still improve? So I know you guys somewhat touch base on this, but, uh, you know, we were talking about the quarterback and everything, and we, we made that dude look like an all big 10 running back at times. So for me, it was the tack. It was the tackling. Um, I'm just going to break it down to two plays and I'll let you guys handle the rest on that. But, uh, it was third and 10 court and Q three. And, um, you know, Jake, Chan- there was a play, I think it was a play action, but Altmeyer scrambled out and just got and got past Jake Cheney on a very crucial possession, which led yeah. to an Illinois touchdown that third and 10 and got past him there. But no, I mean, this is just one of the examples that Altmeyer he got around our containment numerous times. And, you know, that led to his day running the ball. So um, that was one scenario I wanted to bring up. And then in quarter four, we had a third and seven. We literally brought the house on these guys. And uh, Altmeyer still got around. It. I think it was Kamoy Latu who took, on this yeah. play specifically, a bad angle, but and um, he was still able to get around that for a first down, which led to at least a long drive. I will say in this game, they it, we did not do ourselves any favors with having short fields at all all game. We did have to bring the ball down, you know, you know, for quite a bit uh, in order to score. So, and I think plays like this are you know examples of, of why that that was. So, um, no, that tackling's definitely got to improve. Um, I know we've talked about it before on this show before, but and that goes back to discipline too, once again. So it's just clean football. We just need to play cleaner football. We've said it week after week, and one of these times we have to put a clean game together, and yep. we have to improve this. We're going to be right soon. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Yeah it'll, be, yeah, it'll be you know week eight, and we'll be like, we've only been saying it for seven weeks. <laughs> right? Jake, what needs to improve on defense for you? The rush defense. I mean – Point blank, period. It's the rush defense, right? Uh, Altmeyer, Luke Altmeyer, had 16 carries for 100 yards. He also had 100 yards passing. So, I mean, if that tells you the game that he had, he had zero touchdowns. So, it's a 6.3 yard average. 
Uh, Caden Fagan, that guy is a monster, and he's going to be a really, really good Big Ten running back. I'm just going to say that right now. 24 rushes, 97 yards, and a touchdown. That's a four-yard average. That's pretty good for a freshman. Um, they had a couple guys, uh, Laffrey and Williams come in. Laffrey had three carries for 18 yards, six yards a carry, and uh, Williams had two for eight. So, I mean, they were kind of eh. But in total, they had 45 carries for 223 yards and a touchdown. That's just – yeah. That's inexcusable, especially in Big Ten play when you know what kind what, what you know you're gonna face in the Big Ten, right? It's gonna be right. a lot of running, uh, some play action, some tight end play. I mean, Ohio State and Michigan are different because they get the athletes, right? I mean, Penn State to a certain degree as well. But um, by the way, Penn State looked horrible against Ohio State. I'm just gonna say that right now. Ohio State defense is really, really good. But uh, I watched that entire game and I felt like I wanted to fall asleep uh, every time Penn State had the football because they were <laughs> horrible on offense. Uh, but you know, the rush defense could be fixed by tackling. And that's a crazy concept that Tyler and I have been talking about for literally yep. what feels like years, but it's only Pretty much been since weeks. we started the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, this year, especially with the Packers and the Badgers, I mean, if you have the guy, wrap him up and, and put him on the ground and, and then you just go to the next play and you just do that again. And then they won't have 223 yards on you. Kind of how that works. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, looking at something that kind of ties into what you guys have talked about a little bit already is for me, the Badgers need to get off to better starts. Now, yeah. to be fair, the second and third drives that Illinois had started at the 45 and 46 yard line, but they got a touchdown and a fourth run or fourth down stop on those two drives. Now, the offense obviously plays a part in this. You need the offense to help the defense out a little bit, but to be down 14 nothing with two minutes left in the first half. Uh, it has you on pace to give up 28 points, which is a lot of points. So for essentially what I'm looking for for the batter's defense is to get the second half defense all game. Uh, the second half started with a punt, and I think that kind of kicked the momentum back towards the batters a little bit. So um, just some better starts from the defense is what I'm looking for. All right, so going into Ohio State now, we can just – Look at it as it is. Mike, what are you looking for from the batter's offense against Ohio State? So I was looking at Ohio State's defense, right? And the one thing that actually did stick out, stick out they don't have many interceptions. They don't have many sacks or anything like that. But they have the one thing that did stick out was they had they have not given up more than 40 yards on a play all year. So they don't give up any sort of big plays at all. So what that tells me, and they also only give up 100 Point six yards per game, which is fifth four, number four in the Big Ten. So I do think based you you got to find a way to run the ball on these guys. You have to establish a run. I feel like because they don't give up big plays at, of any kind at all. Um, they play very clean foot football. They don't get turnovers necessarily, so to speak. But they're just very sound and don't give up big plays. We we need to find a way to run the ball, kind of like last week. We I don't Braylon might have to carry the ball thirty times again. He, realistically, uh, we can't live on Braden Lock throwing the ball for um, 50 times against um, Ohio State against this team because um, we're gonna if we do that, I don't think it's gonna go too well statistically speaking. Um, but I, I we got to find a way to you know run the damn ball against these guys as well. Uh, Jake, what are you looking for from the Badgers offense? 
Yeah, so the Ohio State defense is insane. They're fifth in total yards, fourth in pass yards. They are 19th in rush yards given up, and they're third in points. They give up 10 points per game. This defense is insane. And, yeah, they don't, like like you said, they don't take the ball away. They don't sack you a lot. But what they do well is they're fundamentally sound. Uh, they put you in situations that you're very uncomfortable, and then they thrive off of that. They keep you in a lot of third and long. So this is honestly a horrible matchup for this offense right now. Like, if I'm just going to be completely honest with you. The Badgers don't do themselves favors by putting themselves in favorable third downs. But Ohio State is trying to put you in those situations, and they're very good at it. So if the Badgers are going to win this game, (laughs) they're going to have to be okay with getting ugly. Okay? Yeah. Uh, The big boys up front are going to have to – have to fight like hell, and they're going to have to open some holes. And Braylon Allen, we're just going to have to live with him getting his three-yard gains, his six-yard gains, and maybe eking out a first out every once in a while. This game is going to be ugly. The weather is going to be ugly. Spoiler alert. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a classic Big Ten football game. But I'll tell you what, that weather could be the equalizer. I'm just going to say yeah. that. Huh. Could be the equalizer because what is the Ohio State offense? His, he is number 18. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit too. Uh, spoiler well, alert. But for me, looking at the Badgers offense, uh, Mike already kind of touched on it. Ohio State only allowing 100 rushing yards per game. I compared the the offenses and, and defenses a little bit to each other as far as points per game and third downs and such go. Um, Wisconsin is 61st in points per game. Ohio State yep. is 22nd in points per game. But looking at yardage, Ohio State is 38th and Wisconsin is 57th. So the gap closes when you look at yardage versus points. Now, mm-hmm. I am a strong proponent that points are obviously more important than yards. But why I bring these things up is that I actually think that field position could be a factor in this game. Is yeah. why I bring up the difference in yards. Okay. So... The other thing that I'm going to tie into this is third down conversion percentage. And we can use this to transition into the Badgers defense is Wisconsin's offense is 30th in college football on third down percentages with 43.4. Ohio state is actually 40th at 42.5%. So I'm actually looking at field position and third downs are going to be big factors, but for the defense, um, Wisconsin's only allowing 18.3 points per game, which is pretty solid. Um, Wisconsin allows 136 rushing yards a game. Ohio State averages 128. But Ohio State's strength is their passing game. So looking at it, I think the Badgers will be fine controlling the run, but they need to control the pass. And I'm going to say something about that again when we get into matchups. But Mike, what are you looking for from the Badgers defense? Kind of like what you said, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, certain matchups, right? I mean, we I'm not going to say names quite yet, but Ohio State's got three guys that are in the top six of for receiving yards in the Big Ten. Uh, so you kind of have an idea where I'm going yeah. to go with this. Um, <laughs> one of which might not be playing is quite... Egbuka, all right, I'll, I'll bring up one name. Egbuka, yeah. he, I, he didn't play last week against Penn State, uh, so I don't know his health status yet going into this weekend. I don't think they... Uh, release that report but uh yeah. if he's out i mean i don't want to i don't like injuries upon anyone but that is right. going to help if he's out right. um you know other factors too you got travion henderson who's their leading rusher i guess but he was out last week as well but his health is in the air is questioning 
is questionable. So uh, it, it's those kinds of matchups that we can go talk further into. Um, but yeah, you know where I'm going with this. So I'll let you yeah. guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jake, what else are you looking for for the Badgers defense? So I'm glad you brought Travion Henderson's name up because with him out of the lineup, he's really the one guy that's kind of like he, he flies off the off of the screen when you're watching yeah. them run the ball, right? So um, to me, the rush yards, their rush average is a little skewed because he's been kind of in and out of the lineup. Um, but yeah, I mean, the offense is is Marvin Harrison Jr. Right? Let's let's not kid ourselves. I mean, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you something that I told Tyler earlier today. You know, the Packers, they're going to grow. They're going to do their thing. Uh, Jordan Love, he's making the right decisions. He's flying around, doing his thing, right? If we go through our struggles and, and a lot of these young guys get snaps and playing time and they get comfortable with each other, and my reward for going through this season is Marvin Harrison Jr., <laughs> I am one happy son of a bitch. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. Marvin Harrison Jr. would make me the happiest Packers fan on the planet, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Give me 6'4". And he can wear as many goddamn watches as he wants. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into our matchups, one other thing that I want to throw out there, this goes kind of uh, just as the game as a whole. Wisconsin averages 5.9 penalties per game. Ohio State averages 6.7. So this is where we keep talking about, you know, this game, if we're going to talk about how the Badgers can win it from an optimistic point of view, uh, field position, penalties, and just playing clean games, that is something that it's going to be imperative before you even get to the the matchups on the field specifically. It's going to be controlling what you can control and, and those things that show up outside the box score. So that said, Mike, actually, no, we're going to go to Jake first. Jake, you talked about the weather. What's the weather going to be like? It's going to be some shitty weather. Maseratis don't ride real good in the rain, right? Because on Saturday, driving a lot of Maseratis, Jake. No, I have not. But I just <laughs> <laughs> Thirty-three degrees, occasional rain and drizzle is what it tells me. Eighty-four percent chance of rain and three hours total of rain, and this is just Saturday night, so it's going to be a gross Wisconsin Halloween weekend. And I'll tell you what, there would be nothing scarier for this Ohio State team than to lose to a two-loss Wisconsin team starting a freshman quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I hear you. Mikey, give us your matchup for Saturday. I Okay, I'll let you guys handle the big one. I'm looking at, okay, you take the number one guy out of the picture. I'll let you guys determine how you want to go with that. I'm looking at Cade Stover. He's a tight end. I'm looking to see how wow. we match up against him. Because let's say hypothetically you got Hallman on Harrison and then you put a second, you might have to bring a second guy. Yes. Okay. What do you do on the tight end spot? Do you can't, I don't know if you want to put Waller out there. I don't think you can, but I don't, it's going to be interesting how that, how exactly that looks. Do you maybe put Matriana? I don't know. That's something that I'm looking for. Jake Cheney, I think. Yeah. It's just like, can can any of our inside backers potentially stick with him while he's running? Uh, yeah. Because that has been a what, what I've said this so many times too. Wisconsin's defenses in the past we struggle against teams that spread us out. That's just let's call it how it is. We always have against Ohio State when they spread out. So it's going to be an interesting matchup with with Kate Stover could, and how we hand and what we one, handle hit and how we handle him. Go ahead. I wonder if they could bracket him with Cheney and Wooler. 
Yeah. Or even, even Cheney and Zachman even. Yeah. I think that's possible. I, I honestly, because you know, being what Holler, Waller's position, it's going to really be interesting how they use him in this game with how many receiving weapons that they have. True. Um, you know, I don't, you don't necessarily maybe want to spy the quarterback or anything like that with, no, with those capabilities. So uh, it's going to be interesting how they use Waller for sure. Yeah, um, I guess. Yeah. Use Cheney or if Jordan Turner is back and healthy, that's questionable as well. Yep. We need him yep. this weekend. We really, really do. Um, I don't think Inja, uh Muma is the best in coverage. So it's going to be interesting how they handle the tight end in this game. Uh, Jake, what's the matchup you're watching? Uh, I knew you guys were going to go wide receiver. I did not expect you to go tight end, though. That's a very good pick. But I had to think outside the box. Uh, I know that his his health is kind of in the air, and he did not play last week. So I thank you for bringing that up, Mike. But Travion Henderson is a tremendous player. Um, so I think that he puts a new aspect on this game, a new stress on this defense that we are not going to be able to handle, uh, quite frankly. Uh, Travion Henderson versus Cheney Turner and Ingjag Meta, because I don't know what Turner's injury future is either. That is my matchup. Uh, it's going to be important to kind of hold him down so they don't dominate the time of possession. Um, I cheated a little bit, and I looked at the weather early, so I knew that running the ball was going to be kind of favorable. Uh, but he does have 44 carries, 295 yards, and five touchdowns. He averages 6.7 yards a carry. I mean, he is just an absolute stud. Um, so you let him get going and then you have Maserati Marvin. I mean, Christ almighty, <laughs> what are you going to do with that? That's, that's the one that I went with. I went with Jake, the obvious You one. need to trademark that right now. Like, please, <laughs> you can make a dude, bu- bunch of money. Dude, that's a great name, dude. Maserati, <laughs> Maserati Marvin. Dude, I'm telling you. Dude. I went, I went, with, the Packer. I went with Marvin dude. Harrison Jr. versus Ricardo Hallman. Marvin Harrison Jr. is pretty much locked in already as a top five pick. And my thing is, can Ricardo best him? Can Mar- can Ricardo contain him? You're not going to stop him. Like you're not going to limit him to two catches for 13 yards. Like Ricardo Hallman did last week against Illinois, but let's, let's just look at it strictly from, from our perspective of Ricardo Hallman has an opportunity to really put himself on the map this game if he can say frustrate or limit or just contain Marvin Harrison Jr. That's a, this is a super huge opportunity for Ricardo Holm. So when we're talking about this, we're, you know, there's, it's not really a shock to say that there's a talent gap still between Ohio state and Wisconsin. It's, you know, this is an opportunity for us to be optimistic and realistic at the same time. But thinking about it, like the way that Ricardo Holman is probably looking at it, it's an opportunity for him. And that's the way that I'm going to choose to look at it is if Ricardo Hallman can play a good game against Marvin Harrison Jr., that could rocket him onto the radar of the NFL potentially. Mm-hmm. He's already playing really well this season. So if he can put, you know, a really good game on tape against a guy who, like I said, is going to be probably a top five pick, that could be huge for Ricardo Hallman. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's the way that I'm looking at it. Um, all right, Mike. Key to the game. What's your key to the game for the Badgers? Don't beat yourselves one bit. You And we need to find a way to get a turnover or two. We had zero last week against Illinois. We have to get turnovers somehow, some way. 
Get me one to two of them and don't beat ourselves. That goes back to my first point in this show. Discipline. We no stupid full star penalties, legal formations, bad snaps. We cannot have that at all. We cannot give Ohio State any sort of freebies. Like this, if this is if there's a year to beat Ohio State, that this is it in my view. Just because they don't have no seed, they don't have a CJ Stroud at quarterback. The running game is suspect in my view. Um, I don't think the offensive line, offensive line is not what it used to be either, at least from years past. So if we just don't beat ourselves, if we can somewhat limit Harrison's catches, yes, he's gonna he's gonna get his. Don't there's no you know call it how it is. Top five pick for a reason. If we can limit him a little, just a little, even like just don't and don't beat ourselves. Right. I think we could be right there, especially with Jake was just talking about the weather report with how much this team throws. That could be a major, major, you know, factor as long as we don't beat ourselves. So sure. Uh, Jake, what's your key to the game? So it's going to be wet, but it's going to be Halloween weekend and there's going to be a bunch of drunk college kids in there. No, they can't drink at the stadium, but they will drink plenty going in. They find the a way to drink there. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so, thankfully, this game is at six thirty p.m. So uh, they'll they'll all be nice and rowdy. It's on NBC. Um, Ohio State's favored by fourteen and a half, by the way, which is uh, completely disrespectful to the Badgers. Uh, they in the last ten meetings versus Ohio State, they have lost uh, once uh, in Wisconsin by fourteen points. So keep that in mind when you're when you're betting this weekend. Um, for me. The crowd is going to bring the energy, man, and the team's just got to feed off of it. Um, just keep it loud. Keep those big plays going. I mean, just keep picking up first downs so people have to say, first in 10 Wisconsin, right? So uh, let's, let's keep that going. Let's tackle them behind the line of scrimmage. And, man, if they give us two turnovers, Ohio State's in trouble, boy. Yeah. Jake, so, I'll, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to call it the crowd, crowd for one second. This is also the most, I would say, hostile environment that Ohio State's playing in, by the way, um, even with that Notre Dame game, because half of that stadium was full of Ohio State fans. Yeah, it was. I will. Yeah, so was. this is also going to be the I most hostile hostile environment for Ohio State to play in this year. Touché. So just throwing that out there. Sorry. They got Go lucky ahead. to beat an overrated Notre Dame team, by the way. Notre Dame is all right, but they're, they're yeah. always overrated, right? And Ohio State got lucky. Ohio State's yeah. a little overrated. They're, their defense is number three. Their offense is not. Yes. Yeah. I said that since the beginning of the year when they played Indiana and they scored, what, like 23 points, 24 points? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I went with a really basic answer, the the obvious one, the low-hanging fruit, if you will. It's play the most complete game of the season in all three phases. Yeah. So I brought up, like I said, I brought up the yardage, I brought up the penalties, and I brought up the differences in, um, in the points and then the yards and the third downs. It's the field position, the penalties, and really just the third downs, which is something I'm really always big on. It, it just needs to be all three phases. It needs to be the most complete game, and that ties back to what I said needs to improve on the defense. It needs to be a complete game. So that's that's my key to the game is a complete game in all three phases. Uh, Mike, you're first. Put you under the gun. What's your score prediction from the head? Jake, you're gonna hate me for this. I got, unfortunately, I got Badgers losing 13 to 27 from the head. 
I'll go next, and I don't hate to because I also have the Badgers losing from the head as well, 27-20. It was more so with the spread when, when you said when I said 14, lose by 14. Yeah, so. that's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's 14 and a half, so you'd still win if you picked Wisconsin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I have you, them you would just, lose here, but you'd win here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have them just under that spread. I have Ohio State 33, Wisconsin 20. Okay. Yep. Okay. Mikey, what you got, buddy? So from the heart, I got us unfortunately losing in overtime, seventeen to twenty-three. Kind of similar to how it, it went last time Ohio State came came into Camp Randall. We lost in overtime to them as well. Um, you know, it's kind of like what what you said though. With, with the weather and every everything, we we could we could be right there, and up until the very end. So I just think you know from the heart, I I just couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I I hope to God I'm proven wrong, but I think uh, from the sure. heart, let's go OT seventeen to twenty three. I'm gonna tell you one thing right now. You use the Jake. You're gonna hate me for this way too soon because now I don't like. <laughs> you. If, you lose, if we lose to Ohio State in overtime, I'm gonna be fucking pissed, dude. I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah. Um, from the heart, and this is more optimistic, so that's crazy. But I mean, I respect it. It's Ohio State. They have a really good defense. Um, I have us winning. If everything goes right, if we play a clean game, we're running the damn ball. Braden Locke is Braden Locke doing what he did last week. I have the Badgers winning 23-13. I really don't respect this offense. Damn. Okay. I... So, for me too, and this is this is why we do these two separately, is mm-hmm. upsets happen in college football. They, do. they happen they in do. college basketball. They happen in baseball. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in the World Series. Um <laughs> So, so for me doing the heart prediction, I'll ne- I don't think I'll ever pick my team to lose strictly because I'm going to look for those ways to win. So it's going to be a stressful one if the Badgers win. I don't see a 10-point win for the Badgers. I see a much closer game, like 90% closer, like a one-point win. Oh, buddy. So I have 28 to 27. Oh, my God. Mm. Okay. I don't want okay. I don't want either of yours. I I want to relax. I want to relax. I would love a 23-13 win. Yeah, That'd if that happened, I yeah. Let's I want to relax, boys. And with this <laughs> team, I'm sorry. I mean, it could be lopsided one way, and you could relax yeah. that way, and you can just be like, Well, it's Ohio State. Um, but in the future, that's that excuse is gonna be gone in the future. Right now, we still can hold on to it that it's you know yeah. it's Wisconsin and then be you know, well, it's Ohio State. But that excuse is going to be gone soon. The Badgers, that's why they brought in Luke Fickle, to to get rid of that gap that stands between Wisconsin and some of the top teams in the Big Ten. But if you stuck with us through this marathon episode uh, and Stephen Watson joining the show, which we, again, appreciate so much, you get to hear the eighth letter for our giveaway on Saturday, which is the letter C. And Saturday... 10 o'clock, we will be at the Wisco Collect event that is at Memory Lanes in Clintonville. Uh, it starts at 10 o'clock, goes to 4 o'clock. Jake and I are doing a bonus episode in the middle of that show, uh, Wisconsin Sports What If Questions. Um, yep. so it sounds like there's going to be tons of vendors there. We're going to give away our 5,000 follower giveaway. Uh, can't wait to be there. Uh, Mike, <laughs> there you go. Mike's got it up on the board. Eight that was quick thinking. Phrase is C. Yeah. 
And then other than that, Jake and I will be back on Friday night. Mike, we will see you next Wednesday for our Wisconsin Badgers basketball primers. So we got back-to-back basketball primers on Wednesdays. So just tons of content coming from Wisco Fanatics. So thank you for stuck with us for this whole two-hour episode. And we will be back on Friday and Saturday. All right. Take care, boys. Go Bucks. Go Badgers. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.